Hello and welcome to StarkCast. I am Joe Stark, and today I've got episode 6 for you. But first, I've got some iTunes reviews. Uh, first review comes from Superfly2. It is 5 stars. Uh, the title is Fascinating, Smart and Entertaining. Uh, thank you very much, Superfly2. Um, I can say I've definitely had some entertaining guests on. <laughs> And uh, I think the smart definitely comes from the guests as well. <laughs> uh, second review uh, from Ninja Iowan. It is five stars. The title is Off the Wall. Starkcast is wildly entertaining. Keep the good talks rolling. Hashtag bravo. All right. Thank you very much, Ninja Iowan. And uh, hashtag there. That's that's pretty awesome. <laughs> Uh, I think I know who that one was from. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, got one here from Joe J. Vitali. It is a five star. The title is Awesome Variety of Topics. Where else can you listen to a physicist one week, talk about comics the next week, then listen to a street level discussion with a major metro police officer? The Stark cast. That's where. Listen today. Uh, thank you very much for that, Joe. And, um, uh, Joe, Joe Vitale there, he's definitely a friend of the show, um, big fan of his as well, so that was pretty exciting to get a, uh, uh, such a nice review from Joe Vitale there, thanks a lot, man. Uh, one more here for you, and this is from, okay, let's see if I can do this, Rebecca La Rubia, it is a five star, and, uh, the title is One of My Favorite Podcasts. Do you have a wide variety of interests? Well, so does Joe Stark, and he shares them with you on the Starkcast. Every episode features Joe talking to a different person with different careers and interests as well. Want to learn more about our galaxy, comics, pop, pop culture, rock climbing, or law enforcement? Then this is the podcast for you. Give it a listen, and you too will be wooed by Joe's smooth jazz voice. <laughs> Uh, well, thank you very much there, Rebecca, and uh, pretty sure I know who that one is as well. <laughs> oh, the the smooth jazz voice always cracks me up. <laughs> uh, definitely the not the sort of response I ever imagined I would get doing a podcast. So that <laughs> just just uh, it really cracks me up. Well, for today's episode. I have got a conversation that I had here with a friend and a fellow podcaster, and I was really looking forward to this one. Um, I listen to this guy a lot. He is a featured guest uh, slash co-host um, on Tales from the Yard, which is a podcast that go comes out through the Leftover Army. And uh, of course, I'm talking about the one, the only, David Isaac. That is right. I got David Isaac on the podcast today. If you've ever listened to him on Tales from the Yard, uh, you know this guy's awesome. He's he's funny, and uh, he's also very deep, and he really shows it on today's episode. Um, you know, we kind of we start off and you know we talk a little bit of Batman, <laughs> and then uh, uh, the conversation kind of takes a turn and it gets really deep. And uh, David goes into depth on uh, some of his thoughts on uh, religion and kind of religious ideas and, you know, kind of the the thought pattern and the mentality that can sometimes be put out by it. 
And by no means do I want anybody to think that going into this, this was, is any sort of bash on organized religion, because it's certainly far from that. But um, it's it gets really serious there for a little bit. And it was some, some great conversation. And uh, I think it gets lighthearted more at the end, you know. Um, we can never stay on serious topic for too long here. <laughs> we were talking a bit on Skype before we actually started recording. And then after a minute, we kind of realized that we were pretty much already just doing the podcast. <laughs> so this one's got a little bit of a weird cold open, just to, just to let you know. <laughs> so without further ado, David Isaac. Did you say that um, you were actually born closer to the Midwest and then you moved out east? Is yeah, I was. Uh, I was born in Michigan. I actually I moved a lot between Michigan and Massachusetts, so there was a there was a lot of moving going on. Yeah, I, I've pretty yeah I I was born in and lived in the same town until I was in my oh shit until I was twenty. Oh my god! Yeah, <laughs> I moved. I I probably moved like I probably moved twenty five times by the time you were twenty and moved out. Holy shit! Yeah, easily like that. That's probably a, a rough, low estimate. Wow, dude, <laughs> that is a lot of packing up boxes and shit. Oh, oh, it fucking sucked. I I oh. hate moving now. My friend's actually moving tomorrow, and he's having a huge moving party, and I'm like, fuck that. You know what? <laughs> I got to work tomorrow morning for a couple hours. I'm going to see Logan. I'm not fucking moving. I am not at all. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I'm going to go see Logan tomorrow, too. Nice. Yeah, nice. I'm pretty excited. Yeah, I got to take – I'm taking my son, which I was planning on doing anyways. But now I'm also chaperoning my daughter and her boyfriend. I'm like, how are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> what was the last movie you were saying you did that with? Uh, I, I, t- I chaperoned to Split. I took them okay, to see yeah, Split and yeah. I sat immediately behind them. It was so funny because I was like, <laughs> that, I, t- I told him, I said, I won't sit right behind you, but I, you're going to sit in front of me. A, a few seats well they sat right where there was like i couldn't sit really any farther back behind them mm-hmm. I, because there was people lined up and i'm like you know what the only seat that's available is open right behind them fuck it i don't care so i sat down and I, the entire movie i just like every once in a while would throw a piece of popcorn at him and be like <laughs> that's right still here <laughs> yeah I'm like, I know what fucking kids do in movies. I was a teenager too. I'm not that fucking old. I'm like, there's, there's no teenagers who are like, you know what? Let's go see that masterpiece from M. Night Shyamalan and really, you know, pick it apart and study it. I'm like, they're going to that movie to make out and try and do hand action. I'm like, fuck that. Mm-mm. <laughs> Not on my watch, says Dan. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah, I've got two boys. 
So, oh, yeah. be so happy. I, I fucking, this was the moment I dreaded. I was just like, when she starts dating and it's like, starts kind of getting serious because she's at that age, like, oh, no. I remember being a teenage boy and there was only one thing I wanted and that was basically other guys' daughters. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I know what you mean. You know, I mean, you first start dating and, uh, you know, and, you know, there's always all that talk amongst your mm-hmm. peers and everything. And it, you're just getting into a whole bunch of, you know, you're jumping into shit way sooner than you need to. Uh huh. When you consider how long you end up having to live with all, <laughs> you know, live yeah. with, with, you know, dealing with those sorts of, you know, urges and uh, stuff like that every day. Uh, uh, that was a, that was kind of a conversation I had with a friend a while back that, you know, we were talking about how, you know, it's totally normal to, you know, still feel, you know, like see a good looking woman and, you mm-hmm. know, as a man and be like, you know, ooh, you know, regardless of, you know, what your, your state might be at that time. Right. But, Really, it depends, like, it's a measure of what type of person you are and what you do with those, like, animalistic urges. Yeah. And, yeah, and that's just, I don't know. The Then the conversation took a weird turn, and he was talking about Vikings and stuff, so <laughs> I don't know if we were on the same page or not. But <laughs> yeah, I think they had a totally different mentality when it came to sex, you know, like... I, I'm pretty sure the, the, the phrase rape and pillage kind of started with the Vikings. So, you know, I'm not, I'm not too sure that they were worried about flowers and candy first dates kind of thing. Yeah. And so I don't know if he was just trying to just use that imagery to make a point. Like deep down, all men want to rape and pillage. It's like, no, I don't really agree with you there. But, you know, if you just say like, like deep down, every man is the, you know the lion that wants to chase the gazelle. You know, then yeah. Okay. Okay, but then yeah. that makes it a little creepy too because then you look at predator and prey. So yeah, exactly. Maybe that's not the best metaphor either. <laughs> I mean, unless you're like Hannibal Lecter or something, you know. Oh shit. <laughs> oh fuck, man. <laughs> <coughs> oh. Uh, well, at this point, it's been recording for a while. So I don't know if we just want to say that we've started the podcast or if we should actually do that some works. sort of official start. Or... <laughs> Whatever works for you, man. It's all you. It you works. and your silky jazz voice. <laughs> Why, thank you, my friend. <laughs> we'll Fucking just go with a cold it. open on this one and then they'll figure out that, <laughs> they'll figure that, out that we're doing a podcast. <laughs> no, but um, I, am, I was really stoked that you wanted to do one, man. I love listening to you on Tales from the Yard. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I, I, I love doing them and I love talking, but it's when I hear myself back where I'm like, there's moments I sound like an absolute fucking moron and almost like, oh my God, like I either really need to like mellow out on pre, pre game rituals or <laughs> I need to probably like come a little more prepared than just flying off the top of my head. Well, yeah, although that you know, fucking, I mean, that 
that conversation about the fucking vaginal glue was priceless. I fucking lost it when he brought that up. I'm like, what the hell is wrong with society these uh, days? You know, uh, and that guy's not doing any good for the name of a chiropractor, for the name of chiropractic, chiropractic or whatever, however you'd pronounce it that way. For the, right. For chiropractors like, in general. I mean, generally, a lot of people are going to look at him and say, quack. Exactly. Like who the who the hell's putting their stock in? Like you know who really has their shit figured out as far as what happens with a woman's menstrual cycle? A fucking chiropractor. No shit. We've been looking in the wrong place the whole time. It's all about the back. God damn it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Listeners, for further explanation. Check out the most recent leftover army podcast, Tales from the Yard. And I believe, I think you guys bring it up in the first 15 minutes. And then, uh, the thing that was funny too is that Jordan had that as one of his rants on, uh, the supercast. Yeah, I heard that too. I couldn't <laughs> believe it was in the same I town. I started dying. I'm like, oh my God, that is so funny. Like, yeah. I could only imagine like something like that coming from my town. I'm like, Oh, I, I would have been. And he was so appalled. He's like, I can't believe these fucking morons come from my fucking town. And I'm like, uh, I feel you, man. I live in kind of the same town. Like some moron will come up or do something that will make national news. And you're just like, yeah, that's that's the town I live in. Yeah. Yeah. And it, uh, I mean, it was classic that Jordan brought that up. But then Joe's reaction to it was even, just like, no. <laughs> No, <laughs> it was so great. Uh, that was fun. That was fun. Ep- that was fun doing an episode with those guys too. Yeah, yeah, that Man, sounded like so cool. a lot of fun. I can't wait to talk to them. That fucking. I remember. I Jordan keeps bringing up the fact that if you don't want an email read, well, I wrote them an email saying like I'd really love to be on to fucking discuss the Nolan verse movies when you guys want to do it because. I give those movies a lot of hate and rightfully so, but I don't absolutely hate those movies, but I have a whole lot of disdain for them. I think they're enjoyable and I think they're very watchable, but they are fucking God awful Batman movies. And that's what drives me crazy is everyone's like, it's the best Batman trilogy. I'm like, it's like, no, it's, they're a good movie, but it's not, you can't really call it a good Batman movie. It, it's a good Batman verse movie. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, guess. exactly. Well, especially but, when you consider the the DC with their you know infinite realities. Yeah, this is just a world where Batman's not really detective, and yeah, he's missing. He knows a how lot to kick some ass. Yeah, he's got a lot of money, a lot of gadgets, but like does no real detecting and. Really, the heroes of the like, what makes those movies so good are his villains, and like, yeah, the they he nailed it in the Dark Knight with the Joker that, well, and with Two Face, man. They both look. I so think good. they nailed every villain. I even love Bane. I think like Bane is a redemption point of the Dark Knight Rises for me. Yeah, I still would have liked it if they had done the Venom because that's always been such an integral part of that character. Well, and that's the problem I have with these movies is. Because you take a reality kind of standpoint with a very non-realistic characters and, and especially non-realistic villains. 
and you, you know, and like he would throw, and I see Warner Brothers doing this all the time. They throw little bits and pieces of the comic books in there just to appease fans, but they're really making their own movie and it's not really what these characters are. So like all through the, all through those Batman trilogies, they drop little pieces of stories. We all love the, the villains. We love like when I, when I realized Ra's al Ghul was the first villain in Batman begins, I'm like, Holy shit, this is awesome. And, uh, and Cillian Murphy fucking killed it as a scarecrow. Like yeah. fucking, it was so good. And that was, <clears throat> probably the closest to a Batman ish story that Chris Nolan got to. And it was a good point because those villains are kind of grounded in reality and you can make them grounded in reality. Yeah. And it was but, neat what they did with, with Raza Ghul too, to kind of explain how, you know, it's just a guise that's been worn Right. You know, and passed on and on. And, you know, and they didn't get into the stuff with the Lazarus pits and all that, you know. Right. And they didn't really need to. And they they could have used it if they had wanted to in the future. And I think that's where they kind of got lost was, well, let's keep this firmly grounded in reality instead of saying, well, this is really a Batman story. That was a good beginning. Let's kind of not make it cheesy, but make the villains a little more like batman villains because you can do a realistic joker and i think fucking heath ledger killed it as a joker and i think and i think uh two-face was done fucking brilliantly especially only using him for the little while even though i would have liked to see more of him but they did really good keeping it grounded in reality still but given that because like no one's walking around with half a fucking face (laughs) <laughs> like seriously, like you've gone that far, give Bane Venom. But even if you yeah. don't, like make Batman work. And you're not making Batman work. You're making Batman fight. And he's not outthinking opponents. He's not yeah, outthinking true. other people. And that's where I like have huge issues with those movies where they're great villain movies, not great Batman movies, but <sighs> If you're going to call them a Batman verse or an Elseworld story, they're good movies. I, do, I still enjoy watching them. I'll always, if the Dark Knight's playing on whatever station and I happen to scroll by it, I always, always stop and will watch it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I don't know how many times I've watched the Joker make the pencil disappear. Oh, I fucking, I, <laughs> I died during, I, I have a real sick sense of humor in case anyone's not really hasn't been made aware of that but oh, like i'm right there that with you, man. scene killed me that scene in pulp fiction when fucking uh when uh vincent shot marvin in the face i fucking died laughing during that and like i'm like you know you probably really shouldn't be laughing at that but there's just moments where you're just like oh my god that is so brilliantly funny but like so sick and twisted oh, yeah. was, but yeah when he fucking slams his head down ta-da i was like oh my god that's fucking awesome like that's that's the joker that's that's perfect that's the jason todd killing motherfucker i want yeah he played a really really good joker and you know which it which that was kind of weird because there were so many things in those movies that just blatantly ignored the comics and then there was other things that like fully embraced the comics 
Right. So, yeah. 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 I've, I don't know. I like the the middle movie, the the uh, the Dark Knight. I like that one the best. Yeah. And then probably followed by Batman Begins and then yep. Dark Knight Rises. Yep. And I gotta say, like it it, I I think the Dark Knight really makes it for me because of Heath Ledger's Joker. I uh, like Joker's one of my favorite villains. Anyways, Batman's mm-hmm. my favorite superhero. Joker's my favorite villain, and like there's. If you can pull the Joker off in a way that I've never seen him really done before and do it convincingly where I'm like that, I will always remember that performance as a Joker. Like I'll always remember anytime I read anything with the Joker, it's Mark Hamill's voice because it made it. Oh yeah. It, that was the voice of the perfect Joker, the creepiness, the, the, plotting the like even even it's at moments campy dialogue that he had in the animated series it was still that depth of being completely psychotic and watching this guy with a psychotic break and i think that's why the dark knight's my favorite movie and i i agree that batman begins is probably a better made movie as far as storytelling goes and batman rises is the least you know the the worst story but i think bane was probably a better villain better portrayed villain than maybe scarecrow and ra's al ghul yeah i also liked how many different things they tied in to uh dark knight rises i liked how it had a excuse me a lot of the elements from like no man's land yeah was really cool i thought that that was neat to see and then you know obviously the dark knight returns um you know with how he'd been retired for a little while and then he comes back into it and yeah and and i and a little bit of the nightfall stuff too with him picking him up and and breaking him over his knee that was so i got my i got my son i actually i'm so glad you brought that up because we had gone up to Burlington, which is like our big city in mm-hmm. Vermont, and went to Barnes and Noble. And my son wanted to buy a book, and I like we kept looking around. I'm like, dude, I want you to read Nightfall. And so they had these big, huge three volume set of Nightfall, and like book one looks like. It's almost like an encyclopedia. It's so fucking thick. It's huge. I got it right here next to me. And so <laughs> yeah, right I to my bookshelf. <laughs> I picked that up for him, and he he read he blew through that, and he's like, "I want to read the rest." And I was like, "Okay, well, next time we get up there, we'll we'll get him for you and shit." And I was, we kind of put it off, but I we ended up getting him for him for Christmas this year and he opened them up. He's like, Oh my God. And he blew through those too. He's like, that's so great. And like that, once he realized who Asriel was and stuff like that, cause he somewhat watched Gotham at times. And I was kind of trying to explain them, explain to him who Asriel was. And especially in the comics. And I was explaining the nightfall story to him. And he's like, Oh, that sounds really dope. So like when he ended up watching, like seeing Azrael, he's like, Oh, I remember that from Gotham and this is kind of his real story. I'm like, yeah, yeah. So that was really cool. But, and, and I did like those parts, but the part that killed me was like taking eight years off because Maggie Gyllenhaal died. 
like seriously seriously <laughs> bruce like i get it your fucking heart broke whatever your fucking parents died and you went on a fucking psychotic break of learning how to fight in every style and do everything and yeah. do all this good and you're gonna hang it all up because your girlfriend who wasn't even really your girlfriend died like well, yeah that was the one of the worst elements of that movie was that whole forced romance in there yeah it's that's like, just one of those things that the batman character doesn't really need and if you're gonna do it just do it similar to the way they did in the comics do it so yeah. catwoman something with talia yeah I, I mean or even jump into some of the new 52 stuff i mean i hear there's some interesting stuff later on in that yeah um, i mean i i just hope like my big issue is like Warner Brothers doesn't really seem to know what they're doing and or how to put these movies together at this point. I think they were so afraid of after Batman and Robin that they don't want to go campy with it, but they don't necessarily know how to take the material seriously without making it making it feel campy in their own way. Like I <coughs> excuse me, I I did not like Batman v Superman, but I didn't think it was horrible. Like it totally wasn't a toss it for me. I was just like, I, it was at a real low taste it where I'm just kind of like, eh, I see what they tried to do, but they're doing that same thing that they did with the Batman, the Nolan verse, which was they're just taking bits and pieces of story and yeah they're taking they're taking pieces from separate puzzles yeah and 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 trying to make a new puzzle out of them and then the picture doesn't really make much sense and there's lots of gaps in between where the where the pieces don't fit together well right yeah like if you're gonna do if you're gonna do a dark knight returns kind of story do the dark knight returns that's enough of a story like even though you're kind of playing with it where the timeline screwed up where Superman's at a younger stage of his career and Batman's hanging it up. Fine. That's okay. You can do, you can make that change in that story and make it work. You don't need to go, well, we're going to cherry pick this part. Then we're going to cherry pick the death of Superman. And then we're going to cherry pick, uh, throw doomsday stories in there and make people guess. And we're going to throw a really bad Lex Luthor in there who has different motivations, but knows everything. And it's like, no, like that doesn't make for a good movie. You're just sitting there going, Oh, that's a good part of a book. That's a good part of a book. Let's throw that. It does. It doesn't do anything. And I think what they did when they, when they gave, Zack Snyder Watchmen. I actually really like Watchmen, but I love that comic book. It's obviously not a page by page rendition, but it is pretty fucking close. And he did a really I think, good job with it too. And then the changes that he made at the end were probably right. necessary to make it work. Exactly. Like I was totally fine. I'm like, that makes sense. Like it's I get if you're not going to do the squid monsters <laughs> doing what you did to make Manhattan the villain. Like that's totally, totally smart. And like that movie doesn't get enough credit. But I think once Warner Brothers saw that, they're like, oh, we can just cherry pick pages and make them into a movie and fans will buy it. I'm like, no, man, we are now going for the story. Like I've, 
I'm totally not down for Wonder Woman. I'm like, whatever. I could care less about Justice League. And that really sucks because they're my favorite characters. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I've never been big on going to see movies opening weekend. I mean, it's been kind of rare lately, and I more blame it on the amount of podcasts I listen to now. <laughs> I just get too stoked now. I'm like going over Stoker, and it's like, oh, I've got to go see this now. And I know next week people are going to be talking about it. But yep. uh, yeah, I, you know, I don't know if I'll go and see those. I mean, I didn't even go see Batman v Superman in the theater because I was just. Oh, uh, see, I did, and that I think that's what really killed it for me because I was just like, God damn, you. You had perfect elements here. You had, like, I was, I liked Man of Steel. I didn't love it, didn't hate it. I was kind of right there, smack dab in the middle where I thought it was a good Superman movie. I didn't think it was great. I would have done some things different, and I would have kept a lot of the stuff the same. But that being said, enjoyed it, thought it was a great beginning to what could have been a bigger, larger universe, even though I know it wasn't made to be part of a large universe, but I think it was a great, great start. And I, I went in going, they actually did something decent with Superman. I am excited for Batman v Superman because it was funny when Ben Affleck got announced, I'm like, you know what? I like that casting. And I, I remember being one of the only people who was like, I really don't mind that casting. Like people can shit on him for daredevil and his past, but honestly, he's not that guy. He's older. He's more mature. He's going to bring a little more dignity to the role as far as like not wanting to fuck it up and not wanting it to be a bad movie. And I don't think, anything he does would make this a bad movie at this point. And so I went into work that morning and my friend and I were talking about it. He goes, what do you think about Ben Affleck as being Batman? I'm like, I don't think it's bad. He goes, really? I'm like, no, no. I mean, <laughs> Was he give him shit all you apart? want, but <laughs> it's not bad. I mean, I think he's going to be, I think he's going to do serviceable. I, you know, if, if nothing else, I don't think he's going to fuck up this movie. And he didn't. It was all edit and really lame storytelling. And I'm like, you had the best Batman on screen since Michael Keaton and you totally fucked it up because you can't make a story like yeah. cohesive and and make sense and not make Luther look like a complete douche like oh man he was bad yeah i i had i was i walked out of there i'm just like what the fuck and like <laughs> even the martha thing where even i was kind of like what the fuck i've turned around i'm not as angry at that scene as a lot of people, I think it's kind of stupid, but I understand what they were trying to do. They were trying to convey Superman's humanity, which you could have gotten away with doing mom. But I think Martha made a more impact on Bruce, but like Superman wouldn't have known to say Martha. He would have said, my mom. Hey, you, or, know, you know what? You know how they could have done that? And like, if they still wanted to do that, I mean, Lois was right there. 
so he could have been having the spear to his face, the boot to his neck, and he could have grunted out my mom. And then Lois could have yelled, they're going to kill Martha. Yeah. And then, yeah. And then Batman could have gone into his little thing. And then, you know what? It has saved so much bitching. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so like it was, bitching. it was totally, it was, it was the screenwriters going, we're going to be smarter than the crowd. And they're all going to like, think this is witty and shit. And they're, we all just walked away going, what the f- fuck were you smoking that day like yeah really martha like come on well every single person that has complained about that saying that oh come on if he's like really pleading for his you know the life of his mom is he really gonna call her by her first name right and it's like like, yeah you got a very valid point there exactly Hmm. yeah Yeah, I can rail on some DC like movies, goddammit. <laughs> Man, I yeah, I've loved Batman ever since. Um, I mean, when I was like a really little kid, I remember I used to go to the, the public library in Center Point, and uh, they had the 1966 Batman uh, oh, nice. uh, movie. And man, I'd just check that out over and over again. And so, uh, you know, I always grew up liking Batman, but then when I saw the... Uh, 89 Michael Keaton one I was like holy shit this is this is it well it's funny because I I definitely grew up with the reruns of the 66 Batman all the time so like I had seen all of them at a real young age but I had also gotten I was also at the point where I got Spider-Man on the TV and I got the Hulk on TV so I had I had a I had a Marvel and DC influence at a really young age both of them but at a certain point, I really geared towards Marvel at the beginning part of my comic career where I was I was a huge Spider-Man fan and I was a huge X-Men and Wolverine fan. Like I I read everything that came out for the longest time and I, it was awesome. It was but it was always Marvel and just because they felt the stories felt a little more realistic, even in this weird comic book kind of way. Um, it, they, you know, they felt more grounded and not so God everything. And it just, the, the characters seemed a little more fleshed out, but it was 89 Batman when that came out. And I'm like, Ooh, this is a dark Batman. And I hadn't read, um, uh, the Dark Knight Returns at this point. So, like, I knew nothing of a real dark Batman. I, the only thing I had was, you know, uh, the Super Friends TV show and fucking 66 Batman. So, when I saw 89 Batman, I'm like, ooh, who the fuck is this dark-ass Batman who, like, fucking beats people to within an inch of their life? Like, this is this is it. And that's where my love for Batman started because I realized that Batman was a mortal amongst gods and really only had his intelligence and his, you know, his willpower to kind of keep him at this superhero level. And like the fact that he was a genius and rich and I'm just like, this is what rich people should do. They should fucking spend (laughs) billions of, you know, billions of dollars becoming Batman and fucking fighting crime. Like this is the shit. So Batman at that point really became my favorite character. But then I even got out of comics for a long time just because I was moving a lot. So it was like it, it got to the point where it was 
either work, school, or we were on the road moving again. So it, it, I kind of got out of comics, but I slowly started getting back in probably like probably late, early, mid nineties. Probably I really got into spawn and like the image creator. Cause I love McFarlane when he was on, on Spider-Man, I was just like, oh shit, I'll fucking read anything that guy's putting out. And I loved the beginning of Spawn. And then I got out of it again. And it was like the X-Men movies that brought me back into it. But I always kind of had a love for Batman and just went back and started reading a lot of the trades and kind of getting caught up that way. And then like the animated movies came out and I watched fucking under the red hood. And that was just like life changing. I'm like, Holy shit. That is one of the best, greatest fucking Batman stories ever. Yeah, that one's awesome. Like, so it was, it was a lot of that, that kind of got me back into like comics and, and not even comics now, because I don't really have money to go paying for comics. Unfortunately, I'm still trying to get my son to like, pick up that habit so I can live vicariously through him. But, um, (laughs) like, so like I'll go back and get trades and stuff and, and like kind of catch up, but, or I'll listen to podcasts and I kind of keep an eye on what's going on with them. So yeah, kind of keep like a list going in your head, whatever is some titles you'd want to pick up. Yeah, because I, I like I'm dying for the quarter vowels now. And I just like, that's the one that I want to get really good, man. You will not yeah. be disappointed. That's one of the better Batman stories I've read. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to. I don't remember the circumstances of how I got it, but I remember the first comic book I ever saw was an Iron Man book. Yeah, and like all I remember is there was a scene where Tony was running down the beach, and like he had earbuds in that actually had tiny little cassette tapes in them, and that's how he was listening to music. <laughs> yeah like a tiny little cassette tapes you know <laughs> no shit yeah and like i don't remember where i got the book or anything but i i, I remember that his name was tony stark and i was like yeah that's my name too you know? <laughs> i was like that's kind of cool and then uh and then you know it was other medium other than comics that got me into like stuff like the x-men like uh probably the i, I remember watching the cartoon off and on and then the, I think there was like a Sega game. Oh yeah, oh that was the so shit much fun. Out of that. Cause I, one of my I, best friends I probably had a Sega. destroyed like five controllers playing that game. <laughs> Man, I remember this one friend of mine. His older brother would he'd get pissed and throw the controller across the room. Oh, <laughs> and then I, the other I, brothers would pile on him about it. <laughs> oh yeah, I like. As I was telling you before, I have a bit of a temper. I like when I got my PlayStation wasn't my it had to be the PlayStation 2 at that point. I went through like probably I want to say at least three or four controllers. One of them I just snapped <laughs> in my hand where I was just I was playing uh I, I remember what I was playing too. I was playing Tony Hawk and I couldn't do this one fucking trick and I was on it for like an hour and a half. And I'm just like gripping the controller tighter and tighter. And my wife comes up the stairs. She's like, are you going to be done soon? I'm like, I'm just trying to beat one fucking trick. Just leave me alone. I'll be down when I'm done. <laughs> and she goes downstairs and I'm like, I, I probably gave it another 45 minutes. And I finally just got so mad. I'm like, you mother. 
motherfucker. And I twisted that controller and all I heard was crack, crack, snap. I'm like, oh, well, fuck, guess I'm done for the day. <laughs> I was like, oh. I've never broken a controller. <laughs> uh, I haven't yeah, played my, video games in a long time, though. <laughs> my, I used to go over to my friend's house and play hockey before we go to work. And uh, I, I was fucking... I was nailing one-timers on them like like no one's business. It was the craziest game I ever had. It was it was a pass from like oh what the hell year was it? I might have been playing classic Bruins, so it was like a pass from Adam Oates to Cam Neely for a one-timer. Like every time I went down the ice, and my buddy's like, <laughs> "All right, stop it with the fucking one-timers already." I'm like, "All right, dude, we'll just fucking block a shot then." And I, I went down and I go, Hey, you ready for a one timer? And I passed it and scored. And he's like, motherfucker, real men take it in the fucking ass. You asshole motherfucker. And threw his controller as hard as he could against the wall and smashed it. And like every once in a while, when I see him, I'm just like, so, Hey, what's up, Marcus? He's like, how much what's going on? I'm like, real men still take it in the ass, huh? He's like, you're a motherfucker, dude. I'm like, <laughs> dude dudes busting each other's balls has got to be something that goes back to like caveman days <laughs> oh it's got to. you you know someone was like eh, i batted her over the head with the club what do you got what do you got <laughs> i got rock yeah <laughs> oh man um <clears throat> oh shit something i was gonna bring up earlier um when we, when we were talking about the the crazy chiropractor story <laughs> um that got me on a uh a, a headline kick where i've been looking up weird news yeah <laughs> yeah i found this one where apparently there's this weird restaurant in japan where they put like fully dressed mannequins like behind so like the urinals in the bathroom are mounted on a glass wall and immediately on the other side of the glass is a mannequin and so you what? have to go like face to face with the like a female mannequin to pee who the hell asked for that who's like <laughs> you know when i'm peeing i really just want to look at a chick like i don't care if she's real or not just put a chick like across from me while i'm peeing like japan comes up with some fucking weird shit like <laughs> Uh, do you listen to Hollywood Babylon at all? Y yes, occasionally. Oh my god. Ralph is on this kick of shit that comes from Japan and like that fucking pen, pineapple pen song. <laughs> pen, like, pineapple, apple pen. <laughs> yeah. Like, who the fuck? How is that a number one hit anywhere? It's like, really? Have you, have you actually looked it up and watched the video? Yes. It's oh, it's fucking, awful. That dude, that, that guy's got some weird style, doesn't he? Oh my god. I'm just like. <laughs> I'm like, this is some dude tripping on mushrooms who's like, fuck it, put a video camera on me. I got this great idea. <laughs> okay, I found the article. This this place is uh, it's in China. Chinese restaurant builds erotic bathroom where scantily clad mannequins watch you pee. <laughs> what? They're even scantily like seriously. You want to try and pee in a urinal with a boner? Like seriously, what? <laughs> There's a quote from a guy. He said, uh, uh, when I saw the woman there, I walked back out because I thought I was in the wrong place. 
but when I realized it was the right place and I tried to relieve myself, it just didn't work. <laughs> exactly. Like I can't, I can hardly pee in front of my wife. Like I'm like, I'm not going to be like, you know what? I got to watch a fucking mannequin while I pee. Mm, that's hot shit right there. No. <laughs> I, I wonder when that fear of peeing in front of people kicks in because it has not kicked in for either of my boys yet. Oh, they're, I, they're six and nine. So it, <laughs> I'm hoping they're going to outgrow it at some point. You know, I, it's funny because I can still pee outside. I actually, I go to this motorcycle rally and I can pee no problem in front of other people. If I have to, I'm really uncomfortable with a fake person staring at me <laughs> eye to eye while I'm trying to pee. Like that's not right. Like even as much as I don't want to pee in front of my wife, like, I'm not going to stop because my wife like busts in. She's like, I'm just going to do my hair real quick. Like, okay, <laughs> whatever. I'm just finishing up. Be done in a sec. You know, like I can deal with that. But like, if my wife were to like stand right in front of me while I'm peeing, I'm like, you know, this is kind of uncomfortable. I can just go outside or something because I'm not going to do this with you staring in my eyes no like yeah although maybe that's how you get your boys stop peeing it's like just fucking wait till there's they start peeing and just drop a mannequin head in front of them and be like what do you think now huh huh still got that strong stream going or you think you might want to go inside and use the bathroom like normal people oh that'd have them happen to Talk to a professional of some sort. When they get <laughs> and then I was peeing, and Dad just dropped a severed head in front of me. I'm kind of on a big fishing pole like that old guy in the Geico commercial. <laughs> oh, almost had it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> This one's this one's even more disturbing. Sex app lets strangers control a woman's vibrator. What? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> it's it's just sad that women are that desperate now. They're like, you know what? I'm either not getting none, or I'm really hard up for money. So I'm gonna let guys control my vibrator. Like, no. No. <laughs> well, then they can rate the different users so that then you can look somebody up and see what sort of rating they have. What the? F- it's fucking weird, man. <laughs> we live in such a weird time. Uh, the Okay, so it's just in the development stage right now, and uh, the guy's looking for a $40,000 investment to take it to mass market. <laughs> oh, some asshole's going to give it to him, too. Some asshole's going to be like, ooh. I'm a freaky perv with a ton of money. I'll fucking, I'm all into this. Like, the hell? People are so weird. Oh my God. People are so weird. And do you think that people have always been this weird and kinked out? And it was just like a lot more down low. And now that it's on the internet, it's just a Google search away. And so now they're just. Honestly, I do. Because like, probably, I don't know. 
if you hear stories about like ancient Greece and like like Calig uh what the hell is his name? Caligula Caligula. Uh, yeah, Caligula. Like that was some debaucherous shit that he had going on. And oh, it was yeah. all really fucking weird and strange. I think it goes through waves where it's really pronounced and like it's really well known and then people kind of hide it away for long periods of time and try to act like they're kind of normal respectful people until someone gives the green light to be to let your freak flag fly so like i think right now with the fact that everyone has an opinion about everything and that it's okay for your freak flag to be you that now it doesn't matter. Now it's just out there and like people feed into it. Like you find like-minded people who are going to feed your addiction and push you into being just that much weirder. Yeah, totally makes sense. But, I don't know, you know, there's there's a little bit of the argument that maybe that was some of the Puritanism that was brought over, you know, at the start of America, and so that's why we have some weird contradictions when it comes to sex in this country. I We've had... So, like, when we first started talking about what we wanted to talk about, like, I always said, I, I thought religion was a really good point because it's not really talked about much unless you have faith and to me a lot of religion religion to me is started because of the fear of the unknown you go back to like ancient greece where they had zeus and 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 and, uh uh fucking drawing a blink on the ocean guy's name god damn it poseidon Poseidon and Hades and shit like that. It was all ways to explain the way to explain the way the world worked around us. It was we don't know why there's lightning and rain and thunder and why <clears throat> our weather patterns do this. So we're going to create an explanation for it. It's going to be we're going to call him Zeus and Zeus controls all the gods. He's the one who controls the ocean and hell and everything else they they give it they give it a life and it becomes something that everyone believes is generational and and passed down and starts as kind of a way to reaffirm your your being um so i think we get to that as a society that we do we do a lot of this stuff out of fear. Um, and, and it sounds maybe like I'm a little bit bagging on religion. I'm, I'm not. I think if, I think religion's a great, great thing for people personally. I think it's, it's stories that are told to give you a strong moral standing and, and a strong moral belief and kind of guide you in the right way. But, when it's also used in a way to control society. That's the big problem that I always have with it as well. Yeah. And I, and I think that, I mean, I think that's why we're now at an age where we are kind of a little more open. Cause at this point, like 
everyone has a different point of view. And I think that's the problem with religion is that it has a hard time evolving. Um, we, we got stuck with all the religions we have now because now it got to a point where we're willing to buy into this story. And now that we've bought into this story, there's no real wiggle room to the changing society. So now we're at a point where things were so oppressed for 2000 years under Christianity and everything else that now that people are allowed to express themselves more and it's not necessarily that they don't have religion. It's just that they find a way for their religion to work for them. So like someone who, who is this like freak in private who likes staring at mannequins while they pee and getting <laughs> off. As long as they go and repent, all is forgiven. So they feel a little more freedom in what they're doing that they're still within the confines of the religion. And to me, it's weird because I, I grew up Catholic. It was and I say that loosely because my mom really didn't do the whole church thing. I went to like a, a Catholic preschool and I, I spent one year in, in a, like junior high. That was a Catholic school. Um, but my mom and my dad both went to Catholic school for long periods of time. They were both raised very religiously, even though that, the older they got, they didn't really practice it. They still kind of held beliefs at, for the most part. Um, but my mom didn't really force it on me. She didn't, she, you know, she didn't make me go to Sunday school. She didn't make me go to church every weekend. She was vaguely, she would go to church every once in a great while. I know we would go to church with my grandparents whenever we went to visit them. If we were there on a Sunday, we were going to church and I was just always like, Oh, God, no, it was always so boring to me, but I still, I still believed and I'm, you know, I believed in the concept. I believed that there was a God and every, like he created earth and everything else because to me, it made sense at the time. I was also a kid and that story to me seemed like, it seemed like a great story. Like this being was like, you know what? I'm going to create this planet and create all this life and, and do all this, but I'm going to give them free will and I'm going to do, and you know, to me, that was just like, that's brilliant. That's so smart. And the older I got, I, I always held that belief, but it was never, I was never devout. I was never married to the idea. Um, and it was when, it all kind of started when my, when my dad died. I was when I really started questioning things. Cause when my dad died, I was about, I was like 11, maybe right around there going on 12. I know I was moving to like, it was the summer before I had moved to Massachusetts, to Gloucester, Massachusetts. And, um, it was, it was when it happened and I got the news, it was so devastating. But I hadn't completely lost faith. It was always, I was always kind of like, why? Why would, there has to be a reason why my dad was taken out of everyone else in the world. And the older I got, like a couple, 
summers or a couple winters later, probably like three or four years, I lost my grandmother. And again, it, the questions kind of lingered there. Why? Why are you? Why'd you take her? Like, it didn't make sense. The older I got, the more I learned about things. I realized that we're really a small, tiny, almost immeasurable speck in the entire universe. And the fact that God would have made something so insignificantly small based on everything out there, all the other planets, everything that's out there, the stars, the suns, like all of that. It's hard for me to believe that he, this was the one planet that he chose to put all life on. And if there if he only chose this planet, then that's a huge waste of space. <laughs> <laughs> like, I've never heard it put that way, but that does make a lot of sense. You know, and like, so the more I started thinking about it and the older I got, it was like, I remember watching dogma and I loved Kevin Smith films. And like, I loved goodwill hunting loved that movie so when i heard kevin smith was making dogma with ben affleck and matt damon i was like i don't care i am in for this movie and there was a lot of really interesting conversation in that movie that he really intended because he made that movie because he had a crisis of faith where he didn't believe he he was losing his Catholicism like he wasn't buying it anymore and he had this talk with a with a priest at one point and he told the priest that he was losing his faith and he said well you know when you're younger this much of the faith is going to fill your cup but you've grown and your faith hasn't you haven't grown your faith with you because you haven't questioned it you haven't you haven't given it enough enough thought or enough introspection to kind of fill your cup with your life. And so he made dogma kind of making these questions of, you know, we all call Christianity a theology, which is basically a theory. It's not, it's not fact. And that's what kind of got me. It like, there's a line in there where he says, where um the girl in the movie says something about and now I'm knee deep in Christian or uh, Catholic Catholic theology and Chris Rock looks at her and goes God hates it when you call it theology because it's a theory it's an idea and it that's what it that's what the Bible was supposed to be was an idea of how to live your life and that made a lot of sense to me where. If you read the Bible, it's kind of a guideline of that time of what was expected of society at that point. Like they talk about the fact that Sodom and Gomorrah was so ungodly and they did so much evil shit that God smite it. Well, maybe, maybe it was a natural catastrophe that actually took that out and they 
blamed, you know, everyone was like, well, they got smited because God wasn't happy with what they were doing there. That could have been interpreted. So to me, a lot of the Bible and anything, like any kind of written mythology is fallible because it's written by man. And yeah, that's exactly. where I have a, that's where I have a problem with this. But I don't in in the way that I can talk against it, I can understand why people believe it. Because it has been passed down for generations. It is stories and it is a good way to live your life. I just think it doesn't it hasn't evolved to our society to kind of make sense with today's world. Because if you read the Bible, there's a Everyone is going to hell. Like everyone. There's, oh, yeah. there's no one who's going to be spared. I don't give a shit. If you go to church every Sunday, if you live a moral life, there is something in the Bible that you are going to go to hell for because it is so filled with so much stuff. So I think it's really fallible, but I understand the people's need for hope and wanting to have faith and wanting to know that there's something out there after we're done here. And I don't begrudge a person's faith. I think, I think when I was younger, I used to be a bit of a wise ass, if you couldn't tell. And I, um, <laughs> I used to go around saying that my, my theory on, on religion was that religion is something that helps people get through life. In one way or another, it gives them reassurance. It makes them confident in making it through life and being secure in the fact that they're going to die. Saying all that, if all of that is done by myself, like I can look into myself and I can believe in myself and I need only myself to get through life. Wouldn't that kind of make me a god? So like I, I used to say that and I used to piss people off and I would say just to piss people off. But, <laughs> you know, I, I don't ever want to belittle someone's faith because that's something that's really personal and I understand why they believe it. And, yeah. and I don't, I don't think it's a horrible thing to believe in as long as you're trying to provide the right message. Um, have you ever watched the West Wing? No. Okay. There's this, there, one of the episodes, they're all stuck in the White House and Martin Sheen plays, <clears throat> the president and he's he's phenomenal in the role like i i've watched almost the entire series i i finally i dropped off a little bit just because there's so much shit on all the time but um there's a scene where they're all stuck in the white house and there's this really christian reporter who's like trying to make him have a quote on same-sex marriage or something and that has to do with the bible like she's just railing on him and then he lists off all these facts he's like you know my my daughter kissed a black man so should i have her stoned in the middle of the village where everyone can come in and stone her something about selling one of his daughters because it is so outdated and there's a lot of it that's very written for the time that we would never adhere to even as non-believers like like christians themselves would read and be like whoa 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 we we wouldn't do that well it's kind of written in your book and you really should follow it 
Yeah, and usually the book says like at times where I've had pointed that out, um, you know, in discussions, they kind of raise their shoulders and say, "Oh, that's the Old Testament." Right. It's like okay, and yeah, you know, I I never have a problem with religion until it's used as a tool to oppress somebody. Yeah. And then it seems like, well, that's not what it was made to do at all, and you're just twisting it. And you know, you're cherry picking out of it to just use it as a tool of bigotry in some instances. Now, I'm not saying that all religion's bad. I I think it can be a great thing, you know, and especially mm-hmm. with the work it does for charities. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it can give people personal strength. Like you were saying, it's it's a great tool to help somebody get through life. And mm-hmm. the only reason it hasn't worked for me is that I'm I've always been an extremely skeptical person. Mm-hmm. And being an extremely skeptical person, it leads me to do research and it's led me to be the type of person to where if I, if I don't, if I can't measure it, then I'm not going to believe in it. Right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I, and I got, I really, the, the thing that really broke it for me was when I got older, I realized that what my dad had actually died of. My dad had died of meningitis, but it was brought on because he had AIDS. And I didn't know this for the longest time. Everyone just kept saying, oh, he died of meningitis, which I didn't really have any idea of what it was. And, you know, being a kid, you're just kind of like, whatever that is, you know, like mm-hmm. you, they, they're telling you something that you don't necessarily understand just to kind of pacify you. So you're just kind of like, okay, fine, whatever. But the, the older I got, the more I, I would piece things that my family wasn't telling me. Because my family, my family had a hard time with admitting stuff. Like my uncle, my, my mom grew up in a in a very very different time where you don't talk about stuff and you you hide your shames as a family. Mm-hmm. So my uncle got hit in the head when he was a baby with a can of whisk because. Apparently, laundry detergent used to come in cans. And this neighbor kid had thrown it at my uncle because he wouldn't stop crying and the hit him straight in the head. And from that moment on, he was retarded. He didn't develop at all. Like he got bigger, older, but he was always mentally challenged, couldn't really think, really needed help with a lot of stuff. And my, my grandparents would tell my mom and my aunt and uncle not to talk about it because we don't talk about that kind of stuff at this time. My mom used to get her ass beat for bringing it up in school because the teacher would call. I didn't realize you guys had a, a son, Teddy Mike, and they're like, oh, who told you this? And they're like, oh, Patrice. Well, because my mom opened her mouth, she got her ass beat. And like that's so people held a lot of things in, especially from me at that point. So the older I got, the real I, I real started piecing things together by myself where I'm like, you know what? After my mom, I never saw my dad with another woman. I only saw him living with another guy. And it was really strange to me because I remember visiting my dad and going through his house with this guy he lived with and then remembering that there's a, they only had one bedroom. And I'm like, well, you know, you don't realize it when you're a kid. You realize it 
as an adult and these things start coming to you, I'm like, motherfucker, I think my dad was gay. And it was, it was really weird. And it was something that I didn't bring up to anyone else in my family. I just kind of always, I knew they knew they didn't know I knew, but I always kind of like, I'm like, didn't feel comfortable ever bringing it up. So I'm like, well, my dad was gay and he got real sick and maybe he died of AIDS. And so like, I got to this point where realizing that my dad was gay and, and the fact that everyone brings up in the Bible that no man should lay with a man and you're going to hell. I'm like, motherfucker, my dad was a good man. Like, I don't give a shit what the Bible says. Like that he was having sex with another man. That's who he loved. And if you're going to preach love, then you need to accept everybody, no matter who they love. You can't cherry pick and say, well, you have to be a straight couple or you can't be part of this little club. And that really pissed me off where I'm just like, you know what? I don't need your religion to tell me that my dad was a good father or my dad wasn't a good man because he liked guys like that to me doesn't make sense. If he was a good man and he lived his life proper, there should be no reason for him not to go to heaven. And the fact that you say he can't is bullshit because if there's like even my aunt, like my aunt died a few years ago and that was fucking absolutely devastating. But my aunt was probably the best person to ever have on your side. If, if you, if she loved you or she cared about you in the least, she would do everything for you, anything ever. And she was just a good woman, but technically by the Bible, she's not going to heaven. And if ever there's a person who deserves to go to heaven, it's my aunt or it's my grandfather who like, even up to the time of his death had like, we had a real deep discussion about him passing before he passed because we all kind of knew it was coming. And I'm just like, what, what are your thoughts? He's like, I've already met with a priest. I'm like, do you really still believe? And he's like, I really do. I have to believe that there's something after this. And, and to me, I'm, I was always at the point, like, if there's nothing after this, I don't really care. Cause I'm going to be dead. To me, I, I've always felt like death was, you could know what death was like when you slept, because if you sleep deep, you don't know anything from the minute you fall asleep until the minute you wake up. All of a sudden, your alarm's going off and you're jolted awake and you have no recollection. You don't remember dreaming. You don't remember anything. There was just nothingness. That, to me, is what death is. But if there's a heaven, if there's your soul goes somewhere and you live the good life, you should be if if you were moral, you know, I, I I don't think it takes much. I I think if you're good to other people, if you're don't kill someone, don't rape someone, don't you know, don't do the serious bullshit that people aren't supposed to do just as a collective whole. And we know you should be allowed to go to heaven because you are basically a good person. And that book tells you, man, you wear fucking wool and polyester 
in the same, you know, whatever you wear two different blends of cloth, you're going to hell. That's a hell worthy sin. Like that doesn't make sense to me. To me, it's, there's a lot of crazy ones in the old Testament. Yeah. It's like, and, and take that out, you know, take the old Testament out. Even there's a lot of, there's a lot of hypocrisy all through that book. And it, to me, it, it's just bothersome that, you know, you can't be a good person. Like you're supposed to have free will, but you really can't use that free will because that's not really free will. You have to bend your will to God. And that to me is not, eh, it's not free will. It's very true. You know, it really seems to me that if you're going to start having to pick and choose between the Old Testament, like what you were saying, that if you're going to throw out some of it, then you're going to have to throw out pretty much all of it. Right. And then, you know, I I really can't call myself a Christian, but mm-hmm. um, I went through RCIA um, at, at our church. Um, okay, so my wife was raised Catholic, and then... Mm-hmm. Um, after we got married, uh, we just we got married in a non-denominational church, um, just because you know with um, they were going to make me do a bunch of classes and stuff at the church, and she didn't want me to do have to do that, and so yeah. you know we just got married at any old church, and then when we started talking about having kids, um, she got a little bit more concerned that I had never been baptized and. You know, she was had visions of someday taking our kids to church, and she wanted me to be able to participate in, you know, sacrament and all that stuff. And so, yeah. you know, I was I had an open mind to it. I was interested, so I said sure, and we looked into it. And so every every Sunday, I'd go to mass and, you know, go down when they would start to do um, the the sacrament. I'd just me and the other candidates would go, and they'd hand us the the New Testament, one of us would have to hold it up over our heads and walk down the aisle while everyone was raising their hands at us and singing a hallelujah song. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And so then we'd go down in the basement and we'd have like a group meeting and, and we did that for, I think it was close to a year because they were like, Oh yeah, we do the baptisms and the Easter vigil. I'm like, Oh, okay. Well, wow. That's close to a year away. And so, you know, I mean, I gave it like a, a, a nice long, go and and i really enjoyed it and i met a lot of of really really wonderful people but in the end there was just so many things that i had nagging doubts about and so it wasn't it really wasn't like a true acceptance of faith on my part it was just something that i was going through the motions and just hoping that you know and in the end i didn't know what i'd get out of it anyway and now it's i'm just of the opinion that i don't think that it's something that could happen to me just because as soon as I might to start to put one foot in, I'll think something along the lines of, Oh, if all the non-Christians are going to hell, how many Chinese people are there? <laughs> why, why does God hate Chinese people? <laughs> and then I'm like, Oh, you can't have these thoughts <laughs> or well, I don't, I, I don't know how to reconcile it. And you know, and in the end it's like, as long as as people are not using it for for something that is 
you know, underhanded, sneaky way to just try and put somebody else down. Telling a gay person they can't get married because of your religion, it's like the, it's the food equivalent of getting mad at somebody when they're eating a diet, or when they're eating a donut when you're on a diet. Exactly. You know, because it's just weird. It doesn't, it shouldn't affect you at all. And when the people have the, well, how am I going to explain it to my children? It's like, dude, you live in America in 2017. There's all sorts of fucked up shit you're going to have to get used to talking to your kids about. <laughs> and, you know, the fact that two people of the same gender could possibly fall in love, that should, it's, it's as simple as that. Like, oh, we're right. in love with each other. Well, isn't that weird? They're both guys. It's like, I don't know. It could be weird. But, <laughs> I mean, who no. cares? It's none of my business. Right. You know. Like, it, it's, it's really fun. <laughs> it's really funny that you said that because, like, I, it, my, when my kids were born, my wife had always kind of wanted them to go to Sunday school. Although my wife's not really religious either. She, and I actually wasn't opposed to the idea. I'm like, I don't, to me, it doesn't matter if they learn about it. Like, I, I want them to have their own opinions about it. I don't want to be the one who forces my opinion on it. And I'll go, like, it's, I'll go to Christmas mass with the family. I'll, you know, I, I'm totally respectful of everything. I fucking have Christmas. I think Christmas is awesome. I just don't have Christmas for the same reason that everyone else, like all Christians have Christmas there. I'm not celebrating the birth of Christ. I'm celebrating having time with my family and giving my family shit because I love seeing their happy faces when they open it like that to me is a reward and that's a day i spend with my family that's what it means to me it's not like because i partake i'm i'm feeling overly religious that day but even my daughter started really young about not being religious and she would go off on these little mini tangents about well, how she doesn't believe. I'm like, how do you know you don't believe? You haven't read the Bible. You haven't gone to church. You haven't experienced anything. But you're just that willing to say that there's no God. Like, to me, that doesn't make any sense. I formed that opinion. And to me, I'm very much agnostic because I don't, I'm not willing to throw away the concept of God or gods. I, fully believe that there could be other stuff out there i think this is where like your first episode of of the starcast was fucking mind-bendingly good like i was so enthralled especially when you guys started talking about space and everything else and like i'm sitting there listening going there it's something i've always thought and this might have been because i wasn't always the saint i am now and i've done some mind-altering things to myself but I can't believe that we are the only life on this planet. I can't believe that they're like, I can believe that, you know, there's the life that's here on this planet, but I can't believe that we're the only planet that has this in all of the galaxy. Like that no, to me mathematically, is mathematically, it's highly improbable. Right. And to me, it's <laughs> arrogant to think that we are the be all end all. In that someone made us. And if that's the case, so be it. When I die, I'll find out one way or another. Or I won't. And But I'm not 
I'm not so easily willing to throw my faith into that. There very well could be, but my logical mind tells me there is more out there. Even if we don't see it, even if we will never see it, there's something else out there. We can't be the only ones. We can't be the only ones questioning if we're the only ones in the universe. Like it, it, we, and it's, it's even funny to me, especially like when people are religious, but like they have this weird fascination with the fact that there is other stuff out there. It's like, well, isn't that kind of a contradiction? Because like, God supposedly made the earth for us and only us. And we're the, the only living things in the universe are on this planet and have been on this planet. That doesn't seem odd to you if you believe that there's something else out there. And do they have those same rules? And why is it that we don't even have like one set of rules? How come there's all these different little split sects of Christianity, Catholicism, fucking Buddhism, like Muslim, Muslim, like it, it doesn't make any sense. None of it. It's all whoever's perception and they all f- like feel like they got to be right. And that's fine. If you think you're right, that's fine. I, I'm not ever going to say that you don't have the right to believe that, but. God damn, I wish people were a little more open-minded. And I think the people who really do believe, like, I, I think, I think Jared Gafford and, and Scott Shuddy really believe, and I really commend them on their belief. Cause you can tell they believe it. They, you can tell they believe in morals and, and, but they respect everybody. They have their own opinion. They, they just, this is their belief that this is out there and they don't shove it down your throat. They don't like, you know, I see Jared's posts on Facebook all the time and I'm like, you know what? He's giving an inspirational quote and that's what the Bible is made for it to be inspirational, to lead a good life. And that's what it should be used for. They're doing it right. You're right. The people who use it for, self gain like i fucking when politicians use it drives me crazy yeah when athletes use it i lose my fucking mind whenever someone goes oh god let us win today i'm like motherfucker no he did not you think god's sitting there going you know what i have a personal bet on the patriots pulling off the best fucking comeback in super bowl history i'm going to make the atlanta falcons lose no god is sitting there going you know I'm going to hit Vegas this week. I better be laying down some money and fuck the 49ers this week. You know, like, no, no, he's, he's not out. Like the thing that bothers me is when someone goes like, God, help me with this. Well, God's not really there to hold your hand and carry you through this. God is actually there to lend you guidance and give you ideas, not, let me catch this ball for a touchdown. Let me hit this. Give me the power to hit a ball out of a ballpark. Like that to me just drives me absolutely insane. Yeah, I know what you mean there. I mean, it seems like, especially when 
what happens when both when both teams are praying to the same god for victory like right does one team you know i yeah that's you know but that's one of those areas i guess with it where i can't relate because i don't really understand it but and like what you were saying with um you know with the other guys and then having you know a strong sense of faith and and you really nailed it saying that they're doing it right in that faith should be something that gives you strength and it makes you feel like there is a purpose to what you're doing like whenever i have talks with with my grandmother about her faith it's it's i i love it and i i mm-hmm. loved where where she comes from with it and i'm en- i'm envious of her in a way that you know just for whatever reason i just don't allow myself I don't know. It's it, there's got to be a certain element of letting go and being I, able to accept what a and you know and and maybe that'd even be a good that'd probably be a good podcast for me to have some days to get somebody on that that has a strong faith. <laughs> maybe yeah, because you know, I mean, you'd really be talking to me about something that. that I don't you know I don't really know much about, but but I'm fascinated by it and I'm. You know, I'm accepting of everybody. Mm-hmm. The the only thing, the only guideline you gotta you gotta stick by to get along with me is just be nice to people. Yeah. You know, don't don't be mean to somebody just because you might not understand where they're coming from or you might not. Yeah, like it, disliking somebody because of the color of their skin or their sexual orientation or whether a male or a female or just any of that stuff. It just seems like such a waste of time to me. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I. I I totally agree. And there's, it, it, fuck, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> fuck. Um, you know, the, this is a really heavy subject though, man. I mean, it's, but, and okay, it, so, you know, it's, it's totally worth, worth, uh, worth talking about. But you're right. I, I, I just kind of remembered it. Like you're right about the letting go. It is having, it, that's why it's called faith because you do give yourself over and you believe in something that you can't see, but you, you take it face value. And I totally understand that. And like, if you listen to, um, the, my story with Jared and, and Scott, where yeah, that was a good one, Jared really explained how, you know, he did give, give everything over to God. Like he felt a wave of relief. He understood what it meant to let go. And I can let go. I just, you know, I think everyone has to find out what it means for them to be able to do it. And for some people, they have to have that belief in something else. And I get that. And that's why I don't, like, get bent out of shape over religion. Like, to me, where if that's what someone needs to believe or feels to believe and, and, and and understands it and uses it for good, then that's fine. But it, it you know, it, I've seen it corrupted. And I, I've seen it used to people's benefits. And the fact that like such evil things have been done in its name and are still being done in its name, where that to me is the exact opposite of what it should be. I mean, it should be, uh, coming together and if you don't if you don't like it don't believe in it and don't fight over it have your own beliefs have your own 
stuff. When you have wars that are based on religion, no one wins because you're never going to change someone's idea of what they believe. Yeah. Yeah, man. I mean, going to war over ideas and, you know, you just look at the state, the state of the world right now, it's still happening all over the place. Oh, yeah. Mm. Well, and even like this whole fucking Trump banning travel stuff, like to me, that's, that's a scared Christian move, you know, like, and if you look at it, Muslim is nothing more than a different version of Christianity, you know, like it, why, why, why it doesn't make sense to me. Like it, we live in a world where People want to be accepted, and if you don't, you have the right not to talk to them. You have the right not to to have anything to do with them. You don't need to sit there and use fear to people, because like, I that to me doesn't make any sense. Like that doesn't. That's not promoting your religion. That's promoting your own personal agenda. Your religion says to have, to be accepting, to to forgive people for not seeing your point of view or whatever. Like you know, don't don't be a dick. Like <laughs> that's what most religions should just boil down to. Like if they right. just simplified it into that sentence, the Church of David, don't be a fucking dick. <laughs> <laughs> Do you ever listen to any Jim Jeffries stand up? Uh I've heard a little bit, but not a ton. <laughs> he's got a bit. Well, I mean, he talks about religion in almost all of his, and he's mm-hmm. he's pretty like hardcore atheist to the point where you know, and it's probably just part of his stand-up shtick that you know he's he's doing it to be maybe controversial or or maybe not. You know, I mean, stand-up comics mm-hmm. are a special breed. <laughs> 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 but basically, he like boils it down to like the the like the Ten Commandments or whatever, it should, it should just simply be like, don't be a cunt. <laughs> <laughs> it's just wonderful. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah. It, you know, and it's actually, it's too bad because like atheists are some of the biggest dicks when it comes oh, they to can like... be real assholes about it. <laughs> I, it really amazes me because like, I... That always shocked me where you're just like, I don't believe in your point of view because you don't believe in my point of view and fuck you. It's like, dude, seriously, it, if you're that much of an atheist, like where you don't want to believe inviting someone into an argument makes no sense. None. Cause it's a no win situation. You're never going to convince someone who believes to not believe. You're never going to convince someone who doesn't believe to believe unless you have tangible proof. And like, they will fight for hours. I've seen it. I've seen it on Facebook where like, I was just like, well, I'm kind of curious as to what people think. And you just see these fucking raging wars of people going, you're wrong. You're wrong. It's like, no, no, everyone <laughs> just shut up. Like, no one's wrong everyone has a right to their fucking opinion exactly exactly and don't beat people up over it right and like and then even even if somebody is 
I don't know, kind of that goes over into like the social justice warrior mindset is what I was getting at. Where mm-hmm. even if you find somebody that's doing something that is that's socially wrong or whatever, it doesn't all of a sudden make it right for you to be a dick to them. It doesn't. Right. It's it. It's like they say that the dictators live in fear of their people because mm-hmm. they know that when an oppressed people has have their day, it's not going to be good. For the people that were for the oppressors, you know, it's not going right. to be a good day for them, and that's exactly what you see going on everywhere, and you can see it on Facebook right now in the in the comment sections and everything. It, it, it it's as easy as just looking at the political climate right now. Mm-hmm. You had for eight years all the people on the conservative side saying that they're going to do everything they can to drag their feet and make sure that Obama's agenda will not get pushed through. And now the tables are flipped. Oh, and then during that time, you know, you had the people on Obama's side saying, you know, this is terrible that you're doing this. You know, we're just trying to run the country and you're not allowing it to be done. And now both sides have just flipped. Yeah. And, and, oh, yeah. And now you've got the Democrats and the, and, the, and the liberals dragging their feet. And you got the conservatives saying, oh, we won, just got to accept it. And it's like, what is going on here? Everybody yeah. just like they switched sides at halftime. <laughs> it's like fucking crazy. It's like yeah. they're still playing the exact same game, and yeah. all that they've managed to do is make themselves look like children. Mm-hmm. And, and it's to the detriment of our entire country, and it's ridiculous. Well, and, and you know, you see it in, in 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 any argument, you know. Well, it, it, it what really got me was when. People started busting on Obama for being Muslim. And I'm like, first off, he's not. And second off, what's it matter? Like, honestly, I don't really give a shit what my president believes in as long as he's doing his job for the country, not for his God. And I think Bush was probably an example of that because Bush used God a lot, especially during the start of the Iraq war where it was, it almost felt like he kept trying to say that this was a righteous war that God wants to win. Have you ever seen, um, uh, fuck. Um, Great podcasting. Um, fucking A. Uh, uh, Charlie Wilson's War. Uh, no, no. Okay. It's, I, I, I kind of know what it's about, but yeah, go ahead. It, it's a wonderful movie. It's like, it, it's probably one of my favorite Philip Seymour Hoffman performances ever in any film. It is so good. But, it's basically based on this senator named Charlie Wilson, who was a Democratic senator from Texas, who was a drinker, a partier, like literally had a politician's job for every bad reason we hated politicians. Like he just didn't give a shit. But he ended up being very instrumental in the end of the Cold War. And it was fighting to get money for the CIA and for the military to help Afghanistan 
fight the Russians back out of their own country. And at the end of the movie, after, after we've helped Afghanistan to the point where they've driven the, the Russians out of Afghanistan and that whole thing ended, Tom Hanks goes out and he's having a talk with Philip Seymour Hoffman and he's, Philip Seymour Hoffman says, just remember, now we need to rebuild in Afghanistan. We need to show infrastructure. We need to show that we're still going to be there. And he said, we won. He said, you just started a plan. You, you just helped a country fight a war and they're going to need help or else we're going to get ourselves into another war, which ended up happening. But there was a moment where in there where um, Julia Roberts character starts touting God and they're using all the different countries in the Middle East. They're using like uh, Jerusalem and Pakistan are vaguely working together to help out, but don't want to be known that they're helping out one another or on the same side of anything. And Julia Roberts' character says something about, well, God's on our side. And I believe it's Philip Seymour Hoffman who says, you're never going to win a war based on religion because no one is right and no one is wrong and everyone loses. And there's really great moments in that movie that you can see had that have why things have played out the way the way they have in today's society and it, it if you get the chance you gotta watch this movie it is phenomenal it is one of my favorite tom hanks movies one of my favorite philip seymour hoffman movies it was written by uh mike nichols just really 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 good yeah i'll have to check that one out but yeah, it, it's, you know, it's, we place so much emphasis on it these days. And it, a lot of the times it seems like it's done in half beliefs where they're kind of like, yeah, I say, I say all this stuff, but I don't really believe it. I go through the motions of doing it. And that bothers me more than anything are the people who use it, but use it to their benefit, but don't actually believe it. Like I would rather someone be act absolutely evangelical about it, be shouting it from the mountaintop saying, I love whatever, <laughs> but I don't want them going, you know, I think you should believe in this. And this is what we're going to do as long as we're still kind of playing within the guidelines, but I'm not going to go to church on Sunday. I'm not really, you know, the guy, the people who just kind of say that they have religion and don't really like have no belief in it. That's the shit that drives me insane. I say pick a theory and stick with it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I mean. It is one of those things that you can't tell people if they're right or wrong because it's just mm. purely a matter of belief. Yep. And so even 
even when the other people come in and try and argue it from like a science side or, or something. It's like, well, that's not exactly the nature of faith. You're not going to find God in a test tube. <laughs> it's, it's not, that's not where he's at. It's, you know, it's it's something that's got to come from inside you. And it's... Uh, yeah. That would be Like amazing, I said, though. I'm just way too skeptical to... <laughs> I just, I, I just I, I guess I just can't take that leap. No, I, I can't either. But like what you were saying earlier, that you know you're very open to the idea and you would mm-hmm. like for it to be true. I I totally relate to that. Yeah, I, I actually I work with someone who was going to be a nun, and she, you know, she's she's very open. It, it's really funny where. We've had long conversations. I've tried, you know, we've talked about it and we've talked about why she believes and like, and she was the one who told me that, you know, you can have all these different things that the Bible says and you can take out what you, what you want from the stories and that's what they are. And, but it's the faith that helps her believe like that's, it, it really is just a leap of faith in the fact that she believes all of this and that it makes sense to her. And I, I got to the point where I, I was even like, I had heard this kind of weird little theory that would almost blow apart the Bible, but I'm not really sure about how much I buy into it. But if you think about when the Bible was written, Pretty sure most people thought the earth was flat at that point, right? Yeah. So that would explain why heaven is above us and hell is below us. But now that we've had contrary evidence that the earth is round and doesn't just fall off, where would that heaven and hell be? Because hell's not ever really been depicted as being the center of earth. It was always depicted as being below us. And heaven was always considered being basically clouds and skies and everything we see that seemed magical above us. But now that we know, doesn't that kind of like throw it apart? And And when I told her this, she said, but that's one of the things that she felt religion did for was that it did evolve. Like she, she doesn't go word for word. That's in the Bible. She, she took the stories and this is where I kind of like a lot of what I believe people's faith is now is where I got it from. Cause she was like, you know, to me, it's the stories are a moral and, and a life lesson. And they're not all perfect, but they all kind of tell, get, make a guide as to how people should live and how people should treat one another for the most part. And that's what I have faith in is that that's what God meant. And that's why he put us here. And this is our test. And that to me made a lot of sense. And I'm just like, wow, I wish I could be that open to something. I just can't. 
because of everything I've seen in the world. Like to me, that doesn't make sense that people live by the book, but can cherry pick stuff out of it or cherry pick how they want to read out of it. To me, it, if you're the way that book has been believed in for so long was live by the word. So that's where I get kind of like caught up and where I'm just like, no, I, I can't, I can't put my faith in that. I would love to believe in that. And it's, you know, it's funny. I, um, I don't know why I was thinking about this, but have you ever heard the story of Stephen King and, um, God damn it. Who made, um, the shining? Why am I drawing a blank? Stanley Kubrick. Stanley Kubrick. Stephen King hated Stanley Kubrick's version of The Shining. Never wanted Stanley Kubrick to direct or make The Shining. You want to know why? Why is that? Because Stanley Kubrick was an atheist. And because Stanley Kubrick's an atheist, he doesn't believe in heaven. And he that means he shouldn't believe in ghosts. And that's what The Shining was to Stephen King, was a ghost story. And the actual realization that there was something after death. And if you're an atheist and you don't have that belief in that there's life after death. And I always thought that was really strange because I love the shining. That movie to me is a masterpiece. But the fact that Stephen King couldn't stand it because he didn't think that Stanley Kubrick had enough religion in him boggled my mind. Or that he couldn't have made the definitive version of the shine because he didn't have God in I his ass- life. I assumed he just didn't like it because it took so many departures from the source material. Nope. He, did you ever it, see that that like uh, the TV miniseries that they did? Of I it, didn't. It I like, never caught it. And that one was like Steve. I believe it was called Stephen King's The Shining. Yeah. And it was more kind of following, saying it was supposed to follow the book a lot more. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't end up seeing it. I ended up reading the book a couple years ago of The Shining because I had heard that the book was a lot better and delved more into it. And I find that with like any Stephen King book, really. But did you find the book creepy? I found the book, I found Danny a lot creepier throughout that entire book. I found Johnny a lot creepier in that book. Um, as f- well, no, I guess I didn't find him creepier. I found his behavior more explained mm-hmm. in that book. The dad. Um, yeah, I, I think the fact that, you know, they kind of delved into his alcoholism early into that book and the reasons why Danny was kind of seeing the shining was because he was, in an abusive family household. I think, I actually think I like the book's story a little bit more, especially at the hotel, but I think I like more of the unknown family dynamic in the movie more. Cause I think that made it creepier for me, not knowing everything behind it. I think once you kind of explain Jack's demons in that book, it kind of takes away from the, his descent into madness. 
Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Have you read um have you read very many Stephen King books? Uh I've read Stephen King on and off. I've read like uh let me see. Did you ever read it? No. I started to and Man, that book scared the shit out of me. I read it I read it when I was a freshman in high school and it scared the shit out of me. It's weird because I I saw when they put the put it out on TV that freaked the shit out of me and I was probably I just started it not too long ago before or too long before the movie the show came out whatever it was miniseries or whatever and I want I always make the mistake of going oh I'll just watch the movie and then I'll go back to the book because it never happens almost always <laughs> so I started reading it and when I started watching the show and they had that fucking big ass spider i'm like nope i'm out fuck it i don't do spiders i'm out i'm out <laughs> i don't remember that being in the book either there was some weird shit that happened when they went back as adults and, but... and that's what i've heard too and i'm like they're all like what the fuck is this spider thing but like everyone i know really liked it for the most part you know in the as the show or miniseries or whatever it was but like Everyone's like, oh, the book's always better. And I always find that with King. Like, I read, I read Dreamcatcher, and that was really odd and trippy and kind of delved into it a little bit more. So, like, when I watched that movie, I was like, eh, not, not so much. Like, I don't think his, I don't think his stuff transfers very well over because he is such a visual writer. Like when he writes something out, you can really see it. And when you start taking that stuff out in a movie or in a show, it, it kind of loses its magic and doesn't translate well when you try to shorten it down. Have you uh, read any of the Dark Tower books? Nope. The I, first four are really good. And then I felt like he rushed the last three. But if you look at the timeline on how those came out, he wrote the first four and then there was a really long break that happened. And he had always, if you read the forward in the beginning of any of the, the newer, you know, newly published ones, it'll have a forward that he wrote. And he talks about how he always considered that to be like his major piece of work was mm-hmm. this giant story that, you know, you could take the very first book and line them all up on your bookshelf all the way to the last book, and you could just treat that as one big volume. Right. You know, like one big-ass story that that he put together. Well, the thing that snapped him out of that and made him jump back on and finish writing The Dark Tower is when he got, when he was involved in that uh, jogging accident where he got hit. Yep. And he was had you know i think his life flashed before his eyes and he was like holy shit i gotta finish the dark tower and there's some fucking weird shit that happens (laughs) (laughs) in like those last few books it's like all of a sudden like he he's interjected into the story and like him getting hit by the while he's jogging is part of the story and there's just some some weirdness to it but i mean they still have like excellent moments in all of them like i highly recommend reading them yeah but the the first like 
the first four books I could go back and read over and over again. Like, especially the very first one. That one is really, really freaking good. And, it, and for a Stephen King book, it's tiny. Really? Yeah, the paperback is only like maybe an inch thick. Really? Yeah, yeah, and it's mm. good. It's good. It introduces yeah, you to the uh, to Roland. Uh, Roland is the the main character. He's the gunslinger. Yeah, and he's pursuing the man in black across the desert, and you know he comes across like this little town, and then there's all the people in the town that like try to kill him because they're like kind of brainwashed by this one lady and oh it's wow it's fucking good and then he like keeps going and it's it's too fucked up to even try to describe <laughs> yeah i've, I've heard everyone ha- that's read it has told me it's some of the best Stephen king and i love horror books i i i had this really long kick of reading horror books like really it got actually to the point where i was like reading splatter punk horror books which was really a bad bad thing holy shit some things you just read and you can never unsee for the rest of your life but i'm a big believer in that like there's just some movies and stuff that i just don't watch right it's it's funny you said that it it kind of dropped off towards the end because the minute you said that i was thinking of the hunger games because the first two hunger games books actually i'm gonna say that the first two and three quarters of the hunger games books were phenomenal loved them loved them loved them loved them and then to me it felt like the last hundred pages or maybe even 50 pages of the last book where she just got fucking sick of writing and she was just like you know what we're gonna end this shit real quick and it's gonna leave everyone unsatisfied like that was the most unsatisfying ending to any book i have ever read in my entire life especially with as good as the first two and three quarters of the other books were have you ever read them no i've never even seen the movies (laughs) oh you haven't oh the the movies are okay they're all right they're not Hor- well, eh, they're not great. They're they're watchable. <laughs> You're really selling but, this to me. Yeah, <laughs> no, not really. I I'd really say that if you were gonna, if you wanted to, The Hunger Games is really a great young adult book, is the way I would put it. It really kept your interest, and it was really inventive and like really smart. And I really enjoyed it. It was like the last 50 pages where she just like literally gave up on the story and wanted to be done. Like she had no idea how to end it and she was just going to end it as quickly as possible. And it really kind of, it, it hurt that book series for me. And so now I, I really kind of pick and choose my reading. Like right now I'm really into like reading the expanded universe in star Wars I'll go through phases. I've done this before with the expanded universe in Star Wars, where like I read for years afterwards the expanded universe, and then like kind of got like, out of it. Like the Timothy Zahn, Kevin J. Anderson books. Oh God, yeah. so fucking good! I love those books. The Heir to the Empire is awesome. Yeah, that is I, so cool. 
that and Jedi Academy were my two favorite trilogies of the expanded universe. Jedi like, Academy is the one where he he goes back to Yavin Four and he yes. sets up his his uh, academy in that uh, it's like a ziggurat that was um oh what was that Sith Lord's name? It was uh, uh shit. I just talked to him about <laughs> someone else actually not too long ago. It was um fuck. But yeah, it kind of oh. infects the mind of his one student because its ghost is still there. Was it XR Kuhn? No. Yeah, I was. There's definitely Kuhn in it because that sounds yeah. familiar. <laughs> Fuck. I got the I think book that right was beside it. me on my bookshelf. I could flip through it if I had to. <laughs> no, I think it is XR Kuhn. But like the fact that 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 wasn't canon, like the fact that it had the twins and Anakin in there being trained by Luke, like that was such a good story. Like, fuck. Oh, I want. I so wanted those. And that, like, Air Air was the one that introduced Mar Jade, right? Yes. Like, she's my one of my all time favorite Star Wars characters. Yeah, all she time. was totally badass in that too. And oh my like, god! Like the fact she spent that entire trilogy just trying to kill Luke was like fucking awesome. I'm like, oh my god, someone yeah. who's like really going to give him a challenge. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, she was god. a good character. Those books were really fun. They you, really were. Did you read the one? I think it was called Dark Saber. And that's I did not read Dark Saber. Oh, I God. actually heard that because <laughs> of what's going on now in Rebels, that Dark Saber is really good and really important. Really? Oh, yeah. Do you, okay. This is what I remember of Dark Saber. Is that if uh, if you want me to tell you? <laughs> yeah, go ahead. I don't, wanna, I don't want to potentially spoil anything in Rebels, um, but um. So the one big plot line that I remember is that the Huts get plans to the Death Star, and they want to build the weapon, but without all the baggage of the giant space station around it, they just want the weapon. And yeah. so they're able to kind of rework the plans, so it'll basically just be like like a big mag light out in space, you know, that'll just fire right. this blast. But the Huts get these weird, like, creatures that when i was reading it i just pictured them looking like kind of like big raccoons or something like that right and they have like a little bit of a hive mind and so like if one of them gets distracted like more of them can get distracted and like like when you think that this weapon's gonna fire at the end it just kind of blows up on its own because it was basically built by like space lemmings or whatever oh no shit I, that's the way i remember it and you know memory is like <laughs> Like Neil deGrasse Tyson gets out of serving on juries because he says that he does not believe in um, eyewitness testimony. <laughs> because if yeah. you do, if you do tests on it, it is like literally the worst form. The, like the worst thing you can do is to like rely on memory because kind of like, man, they might have just even tackled this on taboo, saying that, yeah, the, yeah, they totally did, talking about how uh, your memories are just like a reflection and they're constantly changing and your memories are yes. basically a lie of the past. That's true. Oh, no, shit. That was Legion. That was Legion. That's right. Because he said, oh, did I say remember taboo? he was talking totally about the Legion. curtain. Yeah. Did I say taboo? Yes, you did. Okay. I meant Legion. <laughs> I got taboo on my brain though. I got to get caught up on that one too. Oh my God. <laughs> Fucking so good. Oh my God. That was the, I wish I were. I, I wish I was current. I wish I were current on it so that I could discuss it with you because I, oh, I, I know you're it, stoked on it. <laughs> this I, is. I, uh, there's been a lot of like, f- 
first seasons lately that have just been fucking mind blowing and so good. Like Stranger Things might have been my favorite first season really of any good. show. I think I watched that in like a day and a half. Yeah, Taboo is right up there. Taboo is absolutely up there. And if Taboo were to keep going the way that it go that it went this season, it would make a really strong case for knocking out Breaking Bad as my favorite show ever. Okay, here I'll blow your mind. Uh, I've never watched Breaking Bad. <laughs> I, you know, it, it doesn't blow my mind. Because I'm actually really happy that you didn't yell at me because I was prepared to be yelled at there. <laughs> <laughs> I it, it it was one of those shows. To be honest with you. My friend touted that show all the time. He's like, have you been watching Breaking Bad? I'm like, nah, whatever. I'm like, it's the dad from Malcolm in the Middle and, you know, that whatever doesn't phase me. He's like, oh, it's so good. And every time we see each other, he'd always say that. Have you seen it? No, still haven't started watching it. I probably won't. They're like, oh, my God, it's so good. I'm like, okay, whatever. This went on for years. Like, I missed probably the first I missed the first four, first four and a half seasons. I didn't catch this until the last half of the fifth season. Um, so I ended up being up in Burlington and they had season one on sale. I'm like, actually, I think they had the first four seasons on sale. And I'm like, you know what? I'll get season one, and if I like it, you know, then I'll get the other seasons. If I don't like it, I spent like 20 bucks on a season. Whatever, no problem. I was hooked within the first three episodes. The next day, I went back up to Burlington and ended up getting seasons two, three, and four. <laughs> so I brought, them, I brought them back, and this was one of the shows, like, when I'm at my second job, I'm, I have a lot of visual time i can watch tv i can watch movies i can watch anything while i'm working because it's very mindless work so i ended up watching breaking bad and i was just like oh my god this is so good well i had left them here at my work and my mom came in and she's like how is breaking bad i'm like oh it's really good you should watch it she goes all right so she took season one home and i was about halfway through season two and that weekend, my mom and my stepdad got through all of season one. And Monday morning, my mom comes back. She goes, can, do you mind if we take season two? I'm like, well, I'm halfway through season two. But if you can have it back by the weekend, yeah, go ahead. She goes, you know what? I'm just going to take everything you have. I'm like, okay, whatever. <laughs> I'm like, just make sure it's back by the weekend. So... Friday comes and I get back here and seasons two and three are back here and I start watching it and she calls me. She goes, guess what? I go, what? She goes, I'm almost through season four. She goes, guess what else? I'm like, what? She goes, I called into work to finish it. I'm like, you fucking, you're, you're in your fucking sixties and you're calling into work to finish breaking bad. Like seriously, like, come on, have some That's responsibility awesome. here. She goes, Oh my God, it's so good. And <laughs> damn it, damn it, it was she's funny because, it. It, yeah, well, yeah, she did. But she goes, She goes, Do you have the, the first half of the fifth season? I said, No, I'm going to have to go to Burlington to get it. She goes, Don't you worry, I'm going to get it. So she went up and got it. 
And I at this it. point, the last half of Breaking Bad started on AMC. So I started recording it on DVR. So I was current by the time that that started again. And I was so glad I was because it is, it is probably one of the tightest written shows I have ever seen. It, everything connects. There's nothing that they put in there that they don't somehow wrap up by the end of the series. And that to me was far more amazing than the actual storyline from week to week. Like it was just brilliantly crafted and brilliantly acted and just so smart. Definitely a must watch for a series. But I was one of those people who was like, eh, it doesn't seem that interesting. Like it's, you know, whatever. It's a science teacher who ends up dealing meth and there was so much more to it. But like, I just, I couldn't, when everyone's telling me how good this is, I just couldn't wrap my head around it where, Oh, I got to watch it. That was the show to me that kind of started my binge watching of shows. Like I, I just was like, okay, now I got to find the new show and I would start all these different shows. Thankfully, Netflix started coming out with all their own shows and now television's actually writing like taboo and Legion and like, it's going off the rails, how good it is. But breaking bad was my entrance into like just oh my god i've got to binge this and i've got to watch it all the way through but taking that aside everyone i've told about this the show who hasn't watched it when when they start watching it it becomes like your first hit of crack where you're just like ooh, that's kind of interesting i should try some more and you just keep fucking going and then next thing you know you're <laughs> sucking dick in the alley for a fucking five dollar crack rock you know it's like it, it, it really is it's worth a watch and i get it why people can be hesitant and like people i've heard say it starts out slow to me it doesn't it doesn't start slow it by the third episode if you're not invested like there's give it till the end of the first season but you should be hooked by that third episode because so much stuff happens where you're just like, what, what, what am I watching? And I guess it's not by taboo and Legion standards. It's not like as shocking now. I think it was shocking for when it came out for what it was. Still a phenomenal story. Just really, 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 really well crafted to the point where they, they do the slightest details that you would never even think that someone would pay attention to. Like there's a scene where Jesse gets, uh, Walter, a birthday present and ends up being this watch. And at the end of the episode, it, it's really just a gift. It's a throwaway moment. But at the end of the episode, at the end of the series, he's filling up his car and you see him glance at his watch and he's starting to examine the watch and he takes the watch off and leaves it on the gas tank. And it all has some sort of meaning, but then you realize that's the present that he got from Jesse. This happened a year ago. And like it, 
it's it's mind blowing how much detail they paid to to this show from beginning to end. It's just so smart. I really like shows where they put that much work and thought into it. Yeah, I mean it was it was it. They made just the smallest little things where you're just like, eh, I never would have thought that. You know, I would have never brought that back. Like it, it didn't didn't even necessarily need to be brought back to let like let you know something wrapped up but they did it just to let you know i remember the first show that i got really obsessed over was lost <clears throat> did you watch that one at all i started to me and my wife would were we watched the first two and a half seasons maybe I, I know we got off about halfway through a season where we were just like, okay, I, we can't do it anymore. There was either too much other stuff on and it just wasn't holding our attention. And it got to a point where I was just kind of like, eh, I don't really need to watch it anymore. Well, you know, for a show that had 24 episodes every season, like, like, and I like slow burn plots because like, mm-hmm. you know, like. I don't have as much time to read novels anymore, but I used to read lots and lots and lots of novels. So a mm-hmm. TV show that progressed like a novel was, you know, I was all on board with that. But it was just their constant habit of having, you know, they, they'd present you so many mysteries in an episode. And then by the time that the series was over, they left so much stuff up in the just they they never even came back and addressed mm-hmm. and i just kept going along for all of those seasons i think it went what six five six seasons something like that yeah i think so and just being like all right they're gonna tell me they're gonna tell me pretty soon what's up with that statue they're gonna tell me why that that foot only had four toes you know what what is up with that where where they're gonna address the mythology of the island nothing and when it came yep. down to it, you know, and I was a big enough fan that I had enough of my theories built up in my head to where I was able to explain away a lot of it myself, but that's not near as satisfying as knowing what the writers had intended. And mm-hmm. then it got to the point where I kind of think now, like, I don't think they even knew what what any of that stuff was going to be done. Like, I think they just threw it in there to just have a little bit of a mystery and they didn't wrap it up at the end because... Number one, they didn't feel it was important to the story that they needed to tell to wrap it up. And I don't think they knew. <laughs> like, number two, right. I don't think they knew. And, yeah. And I, I, so to hear that Breaking Bad would be a, a show that would have a lot of that stuff in it and it gets answered, like, that makes me much more excited to watch it. That, oh, and you know, it, I've never heard somebody tell me that the show sucks. And most people, like, like when I said earlier that I thought I was going to get yelled at. I told you I'd never watched it because that's usually the reaction I get. <laughs> and it is. It should be like one of those shows where you're just like, what the fuck? You didn't watch it. But like, yeah, <laughs> it, it, it was one of those shows for me, too, where like someone kept suggesting it and I just kept pushing it off and pushing it off because I was just like, man, I don't I don't know. I don't it doesn't sound that interesting or I just wasn't into it. But if you get to a point where there's, you know, you 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 really want to get involved into a new series 
that that's definitely one to to watch just if nothing else it has great moments that you could talk about at any point with someone who's seen it oh yeah it's it's up near the top of my list you know and for me it's more an issue of time yeah i've just with you know i I got a couple boys that got a six-year-old and a nine-year-old and you know they just they're always on the go Yep, and they don't stop either. Yeah, They'll ne- you you have at this point no more time for yourself at all. <laughs> it's all done. Yeah, well, yeah, and then the little time I can squeeze out, you know, like I really enjoy doing this podcast, and for the mm-hmm. most part, you know, I record at night after after everybody's asleep, so I just kind of shut myself back in my bedroom. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> kind of put a towel in front of the door. And, you know, after the first, after the first time I talked to my wife the next morning and I was like, you know, cause I have, I have kind of a deep voice that carries. And so mm-hmm. it's like, if I'm back here laughing my ass off at like two in the morning, you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you know? it's like, you know, I don't want to be keeping them awake or anything. And she's like, no, no, you're good. And so it's like, all right. So I found some time where, where I can record a podcast, but then it's like, okay, now I got this podcast and it needs edited. It's going to need a little bit of post work. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, like, you it, know, starting to get a little bit faster at that. But so it's like, okay, so that's some of my time taken up with editing. And then like, I'm really into climbing and I just finished like a major overhaul on the climbing wall, my personal climbing wall out in the garage. Yeah. I saw that on Facebook. You're putting your hand grips up. <laughs> oh, yeah. The picture from earlier. Yeah. 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 Um, well, you see, all those holds are modular, so you can move them all around. And so occasionally, you know, you'll get muscle memory to all the routes that you got up. And, you know, otherwise, you know, our boredom sets in. You're just ready for right. things to be different. Well, that means you got to take all the – the best thing to do is to take all the holds down and then put them back up in a different configuration. Oh, Christ. That's that's super time-consuming, I would imagine. It's a lot of work. And – um but the thing is, is that, you know, it goes faster if you have someone help you, but you need so I need someone to help me that like knows what they're doing because right. in the past, you know, I've had just been like, you know, Hey, I'm putting up holds tonight, like on Facebook or something like, come on over. And then you find holds that you're like, Oh my God, this is like, this one really shouldn't be here. Like, like there's certain holds like in climbing, like a really big hold is uh, called a jug. Which harkens yeah. back to like a like a, a handle on like a jug of milk. Yep. Like the hold's so good, it's that easy to hold on to, so that'd be a jug. And then like a real tiny, you know, little edge that you'd hold on to with just barely your fingertips, that's called a crimp. And so, you know, you'd put like a crimp up on like a vertical to like barely overhanging surface kind of for like the level that I'm trying to train at. And like a jug you would put up like maybe like on the roof or like on a really, really steep wall or something. And right. like, I'd have like somebody come over to help and I'd be like, tell them that rule. Like, okay, don't put the jugs on this wall because, you know, that'll make it way too easy. And then they'd leave and there'd be like, like a roof jug. Like, so a, like imagine a hold that you could like bolt up to your, se- your roof in your house and you'd be able to grab it and pull up on it and do like a chin up on it. <laughs> and they like put that on like a vertical wall. <laughs> oh, Jesus. And it's like, dude, I could plant flowers in this thing. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> And so then after, <laughs> you know, like my philosophy with the training gym, uh, the, the climbing wall out in the garage is that when you leave there, if you're feeling really good about yourself, then you didn't train hard enough. 
you didn't do right. enough. To, you didn't do enough to destroy yourself. <laughs> yep. Because <laughs> really, with with climbing, especially if you're just trying to get into climbing shape by traversing back and forth on a wooden wall, like you really need to go into dis- until destruction, and you need to like set routes in there that like you're gonna have to try over and over and over and over again, and then barely be able to squeak it out and do it from start to finish. And then, you know, when you get out and you get on actual real rock, then you'll just be able to float. Right. And, uh, but yeah, so I mean, that's a hell of a process getting all those goddamn holds back up on the wall. <laughs> oh, I can't even imagine. Yeah. I, I, and just so you know, the older they get, the less time you have. Like, I, I, I got to the point where I'm sitting there going, you know what? I love my kids. I love the fact that they play sports and everything, but. I fucking just really would like to be home watching like the latest episode of the flash rather than being fucking out here at this point. And it's nonstop. And then you'll get to the point where you've developed like a set kind of thing. Like there were certain shows that me and my daughter and my wife would watch all together. And now that she's older when me and my wife are finally ready to sit down and watch TV, like there's certain shows we can't watch without her. And to actually like drag her up to watch a show with us, is all but impossible. We might get like a half an hour or an hour and then we're done. And if we have a bunch of shows built up, we're like, it's going to take us all fucking year just to get through this one goddamn show that I'm like barely half really watching. Anyways, we just watch it as like kind of one of the time killers. Like, um, what uh scorpion my god that fucking show can be so mind-numbingly bad at times it's about it it has a great premise it's like super geniuses helping the government solve these big problems but they just it's so procedural and so just like we're gonna tack on impossible thing after impossible thing and after impossible thing and they're going to solve it every time. And it's just like, <laughs> oh, fucking Christ. But my daughter loves it and my wife loves it. And like even my wife's kind of almost done with it at this point. But like when we have nothing else that just me and my wife can watch, because like I have I end up watching the Flash Legends of Tomorrow Arrow and, and uh, well, we actually watch Supergirl together. But the other three we, you know, I, are all me they're only my show so with my wife's working at night is my time to watch those or if i wake up early enough before i have to go to work i can watch those um there's really nights when she ends up having to go groom dogs i'm just like fuck yes it's tv night for days and i'll fucking (laughs) sit down and, and catch up so like you find yourself like really narrowing out what you watch and what you listen to like even at work i'm at the point where i really have to focus so there's only certain podcasts i listen to or only music that can kind of help me get through the day at times um but like reading ends up taking a back seat and there's like tons of books that i would love to read but like when your time is so limited like something has to get moved out and you just you know the older your kids get and until they move out of your house is is limited it's a, it's funny me and my wife were talking a couple weeks ago and she's like our stepson just went down to paris island a few weeks ago 
or a month ago or something uh, for Marine training for boot camp. And uh, he goes, she, she goes, it's really weird not having him here. And I'm like, no, it's not weird. You know what? It's a little more peaceful. She's like, you're not going to think the same when Becca and Brandon are gone. And I'm like, you know what? No, I am. You want to know why? Because I'm going to be able to walk around my fucking house fucking buck naked if I choose and not have to worry about anyone in my space. I'm not going to have to worry about watching television shows with somebody or carting someone here and carting someone there and having to worry about what they're doing so I can watch my fucking television. I can't wait for them to be out of my house. She's like, oh, that's horrible. I'm like, I love my children, but seriously. The, the ability to walk around naked in my own house has been lost for the last <laughs> fucking 15 years. And it, there's something really disturbing about it to me right now. <laughs> uh, my boys seem to have no shame in it. Like, oh, no. Like, especially oh, my, my six-year-old. Like, he gets home and, like, it'll be, like, negative five degrees outside. And he gets in the house and within 15 minutes, he's down to his tidy whities Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, yeah. My kids were the same way. They're like, I think I was probably the same way, too. And, like, I almost think I influenced it because I get home. If I get home from work, I don't have to, like, super dress up. I have to wear nice slacks, nice shirt, you know, everything else. But I want to be wearing shorts and a T-shirt or jeans and a T-shirt and a ratty old sweatshirt. So, like, I'll get home. And immediately shit just starts coming off and it's jammy pants or a pair of shorts or, you know, like perfect lounging stuff. And my son does it. And like even when they were younger, it was, you know, they didn't give a shit. They were in their underwear and they're like, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Send me to my room. I'm going to play video games in my underwear in my room. And I don't care. So they're, they're, they That's will weird. grow out of it eventually where they're you know they realize you know what maybe i shouldn't be walking around with my dick hanging out all the time <laughs> in case that shit slips out but like and they'll realize you know maybe at least a pair of like like basketball shorts or something they'll throw on but yeah it, it i think it's a generational thing because i did that shit yeah yeah i remember doing that too <laughs> it's just, you know when you're just used to being an adult and all the, you know, the dull shit that you get down with as an adult. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Isn't it funny, like, watching him grow up, you see, like, little, like, bits of yourself in them, in the oh, way they act, and yes. where you don't even realize it's something that you would have taught them, that it just comes naturally. Mm -hmm. Oh, fuck, yeah. it freaks me out. My son always freaks me out. My daughter, like, she has always been me to a degree other than the fact that like she loves to go to bed super early. But, um, she's really like when I was younger, I was really social. I always wanted to kind of be the life of the party, even though like I grew up to end up being a little bit of an introvert, but she was really trusting, really open. Like I would look at my wife and be like, you know, we might have a problem here. She might just fucking walk off with a stranger just for the sake of walking off with a stranger. Cause fuck her parents were not as cool. Um, but like my son has little moments where he'll get, especially if he's playing video games. Oh, motherfucker. I can see my temper in him all day where he's just like, 
I'll walk in and he'll be almost on the verge of tears on and I have to like talk him down off the ledge where I'm like, dude, it's just a video game. But they fucking keep killing me, dad. I'm like, I know. I know. They do the same fucking thing over and over. I know. Let it go. It's only a game. Think of it as a learning opportunity that once you are going to eventually pass through this and you're going to realize what you did wrong and you're going to be like, oh, that was fucking stupid. But right now you're finding it really frustrating. Take a minute. Go breathe. Go get something to eat. Zen out for a minute and don't let this game get the better of you. But if that was me at his age, oh, there'd be a hole in my wall. The fucking video game system would have been thrown out of the window into the yard. Like, so I was like, now that I can see it, I kind of try to catch it a little bit more and, and hopefully train them the right way as opposed to like having to pay 70 bucks for a new controller every few months because he can't control his shit. <laughs> yeah, with my nine-year-old, he he uh he's got a 3ds, and uh, there's you know at least once a week, maybe maybe two times a week. <laughs> it doesn't happen every day, but it happens enough to where it's kind of funny now. But like he'll get freaked out to the point where yeah, he'll be crying and playing his 3ds. <laughs> yep, and it's yeah. like, dude. If the game is making you that emotional, it's time to set it down and take a break. And then he starts to wipe off the tears. He's like, no, no, I got this. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yes. I'm like, yeah, I had to have done the same thing too. And I wouldn't have listened to anybody. I would have been like, fuck you, I'm getting through this fucking level if I have to beat everyone in this house. Yeah. It is funny, man. It's and Yeah, you see those little, the reflections of yourself. Mm-hmm. In them because like I notice that with my nine year old like I have, I have a borderline incessant need to please people, mm-hmm. for for whatever reason and um, and like one of the ways that it manifests in me is that for the most part I'm very good at following rules, yeah, and so that's one of those things that that as a result when other people don't follow the rules around me and I see that by other people not following the rules, it goes to the detriment of the system as a whole. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yep. I, I, I'll get really mad. Like perfect example earlier today, I went to, um, uh, um, uh, fast food restaurant. It's not really fast food, but it's kind of like faster food, but you know, but, yeah. um, and I uh, went to go get a tenderloin, and I was like, I'm going to get there. I talked to my boss. I'm like, I'm going to punch out like five minutes early for lunch, and then, you know, to just try and get a jump start on that line at Culver's. And I go down there, and the drive through is wrapped all the way around the block. So oh. I'm, like, I'm like, holy shit, everybody had that idea today. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm like, well, maybe there won't be as many people actually in the restaurant. Everybody's at the drive through And so I pull into the parking lot, and the parking lot's a mess also. But like I spy, oh. I spy a part. Now this parking lot's got basically two. It's got one way to go in and out of it, and then the drive-through wraps around the building. And then to actually park in the parking lot, they've got arrows painted on the concrete. So if you're in this aisle, you're traveling this direction, and if you're in this aisle, you're traveling the opposite direction. And so when people leave the drive-through, they need to drive through the parking lot, and then take a right turn where the arrows tell you to go out, and then that's going to funnel you right towards the exit. Could these people follow the arrows 
and no. make the system work for everybody in this tiny parking lot that was stuffed full of cars? No, they couldn't. And these are old people. And I'm not saying like old people, like, you know, being ageist or anything like that. But these right. are not like cars loads of teenagers that would at least have an excuse of, oh, okay, it's cool that, you know, it's not cool, but it's acceptable that you don't understand this because you've only been driving for a year. It's like, no, dude, you've been driving for 30 years and you don't know what a <laughs> fucking painted arrow on the ground means. <laughs> oh, God. And yep. so then when my when my nine year old comes home and we I ask him how school was and he gets a little bit down, he's like, Oh, I I just hate school. And I'm like, What? Why? You've never said that before. Well, the other kids don't listen and you know, we're just supposed <laughs> to sit quietly at our desk and everyone's gotta talk and then we get yelled at by the teacher and I get yelled at too and I wasn't doing anything wrong. <laughs> I'm like, Aiden, welcome to life. Because, yep. because people suck. Yeah. And my I'm, my I'm, kid did the exact <laughs> same thing like Probably like two, three weeks ago, he comes in. He's all like bummed out. I'm like, dude, what's the matter? He's like, ah. I'm like, how was school? He's like, eh. I'm like, well, dude, what's the matter? He's like, I don't know. It's not really worth talking about. I'm like, dude, you can't be this depressed about something and not tell me what the hell's going on. There's something going on. He goes, <laughs> Kids at school, man, they just don't listen. Like, where I'm trying to, like, pay attention and we're just getting yelled at because these guys can't shut up for five fucking minutes i'm like yeah okay yeah i feel your pain sir get used to it there's <laughs> idiots everywhere he's like ah oh, so frustrating dad so frustrating and then just turns around walks away i'm just like god damn it i'm in so much trouble when he gets older <laughs> Oh man, with two boys in the house, I am dreading when they're teenagers. Like, it, I, the, just some of the fights that they get in right now is just wow. It's oh, crazy. see, I don't, e I, I don't even let my kids fight. They start arguing. I'm like, you either need to go in fucking separate rooms, or you two need to work this shit out because I am not listening to it. You want to do this when I'm not here? Fine, but I don't want to hear it. I don't want to deal with it. And they, they do. They'll. They start little spats and then they like little, they'll just pick on each other forever. And I'm just like, Oh my God, I'm going to kill the both of you. If you don't shut the fuck up, I can, I have no problem selling two white blonde haired, blue eyed kids to the fucking black market right now. I will get a fucking fortune. I am not afraid. And they'll, they'll sit there and look at me and they're like, okay, I get it. And they'll, they'll take off and they won't argue, but like it, it is always a battle. And I've gotten to the point where I'm like, one day I'm at work, I'm having a real shit day, and my, I forget who it was who called in there. It was like, oh my God, they started shit with me. And I'm like, okay, listen, I'm not dealing with this right now. You two are going to have to learn how to work this out. And this means from now on, when you guys get home from school, you have to do this, this, and this, and this, and you have to work together. And if I get one fucking phone call, you guys lose your TVs, your phones, your video games, all that <laughs> shit. You will have nothing but a book, a pen, and a piece of paper, and that will it will be all you have. <laughs> fucking works, man. And they'll sit there and they'll get along for a long time where I don't hear it from them. And then next thing I know, when it gets brought up, I'm like, wait, what did I say? They're like, sorry, sorry, dad, sorry. <laughs> yeah, I, th I think I just need to wait for mine to get a little bit older. Yeah, like, like like I was saying, like like the nine year old, like he he follows rules so well, to the point where he 
it's like he won't defend himself. And as a result, the six-year-old has discovered that he can beat the shit out of the nine-year-old because all he's going to do is cry. (laughs) And it's sad. It's sad as a parent to watch it. It's sad to watch it go down <laughs> because because my nine year old's huge like he's like he's a head taller than all the other kids in his class and my six year old's small he's like almost a head smaller than everybody else and so you've got like this just miniature little string bean that'll like pull these like moves that are like straight out of the movie three hundred where he's like completely <laughs> off the ground flying forward fist cocked back face full of rage. And like he just attacks, he just attacks the nine-year-old like a fucking Wolverine. It's insane. Oh. Like I've never seen it before. And like, and the nine-year-old will just cry. <laughs> <laughs> and so then I gotta pull him aside, and I'm like, I'm like, look, buddy. I'm like, I feel weird telling you this, but you're gonna have to make your little brother cry. <laughs> you're, you're gonna have to hurt him back. He's, you gotta make him understand that when he messes with you, it equals pain. Because that's how yep. it's supposed to go in a brother dynamic. <laughs> the big brother is not supposed to be the one getting his ass whooped here. <laughs> no. Oh, my God. Oh, that but, poor kid. But oh, I, the, the six-year-old, he's just a ball of fury, though. And, yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> I, I kind of I deal with that with my son, too, where he's kind of like – he. I don't want to say he doesn't have a backbone, but like he doesn't – it happened even when he was playing football where he's like, this dude's smaller than me. I don't really want to hit him. I'm like, dude, that kid is starting on a football team and has no problem pushing you down. If that makes him look good, you've got to go out there and like put your all into it and not care about how little this kid is. He's on the team. Like that's, what they do that you just got to do it he can't do it he can't bring himself to be that mean and i just keep telling him i'm like you can't get pushed around and i see it with him with his friends where he does kind of get pushed around a little bit and i'm always telling him like dude you gotta stand up for yourself like don't take that shit and i've i I've gotten to the point where I'm almost at the point where he can. I'm like, you don't ever back down in something that you believe. Like if someone's pushing you around, push back. And like, I don't mean like physically, like if someone starts pushing you, go get a teacher, but stand up for yourself, man. Don't, don't sit there and take shit. If, like if you end up getting in trouble, if you did it because you're standing up for yourself, I'm not going to have a problem with it. If you get in trouble because of something you didn't really do, like if you back down to the point where, you know, like it, you made yourself look silly, I'm going to be kind of mad because like I think you're a better kid than that. I think you're better than someone who's trying to – you know, make themselves feel better about bullying. And he kind of understands that. And he does to a point like he's, he can stick up to a point, but he's not willing to hurt someone else's feelings in doing it, which is like, great. I think, you know, the kid's awesome, but like you want him to stand up and like, you know, just 
know that he's going to be okay in this world and that people aren't going to walk all over him. Yeah, man, that's a, and it's a weird lesson to try and teach too. when you know that, cause like with my nine year old, it's coming from a space of, he's like an absolute sweetie. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's hard to try and teach him like, no, you gotta be harder than that. And it's like, right. it's like, man, but the world really does need more people in it. Right. Just have a good heart like that. But it's, it's like, you can't just set someone loose like that out into the world or, you know, that, that, you know, that very generous heart's just going to get broken a million times. Well, we, it, the other thing is, is like, we grew up in a different generation where like if you got into a fist fight you got into a fist fight and like it wasn't as big of a deal it wasn't made such a big thing as now it might be looked on as bullying and stuff like that so you kind of have to like skirt that line of how you stand up for yourself but on top of that it it, uh, we're also jaded at this point in our lives, like we've seen enough that we know how we want things dealt with and like the shit that just drives us nuts. That's going to push us over the edge. Whereas as a kid, you're, you kind of feel that out. Like you, you have to learn what that edge is and knowing it's it's easier for us to n- notice things and like just be like don't let them do that don't let them do that but like we know that from experience and it's hard to ex- express that experience to someone else who's never gone through it and who doesn't really want to go through it yeah yeah absolutely <laughs> the the myriad of things you find out when you start raising a child, right? Oh Christ. I I it is the most rewarding, biggest pain in the ass job in the world. Like it, it is a really good way to describe it. It it really is, because like, man, I love my kids. I'd do anything for my kids without a doubt. And 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 at the same time, like they're just moments where you're ripping your hair out going, What? the fuck did I ever have kids for? Like <laughs> you motherfuckers are such a pain in the ass, but you know, it, it's, it, it's really funny how love works because I really look at my kids going, if I didn't love you, if I was like an animal in a wild, I probably would have eaten you motherfuckers by now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I get it. Like, I, I understand why some of those animals are like, fuck this. I'm done with this parenting shit. But like, it seems like it's funny. We have, we have a bunch of little to go that direction. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's really funny because we have, we have a bunch of little dogs and one of the dogs is a pug. And I am not really sure why my wife fell in love with this dog when, when she saw her, but, she did. And when she was a puppy, she was really super cute. But now she's like the super annoying dog police of, of our dogs. Like none of our dogs can have fun or else she jumps off and goes and stops them. Or <laughs> like she'll, 
just fucking bark at nothing and get all the dogs riled up. But she's still super cute where now we're like, you know what? The only thing that's saving you is the fact that you're cute because you are a royal pain in my ass. And it's really that way with my daughter where she's lucky she's really cute and she's really lucky she's mine because if she wasn't, I would be like, that child is fucking annoying. And whoever (laughs) her parent is should get fucking bitch slapped constantly because it's really hard when you're raising a daughter and 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 you're a guy and you know what other guys want but like you also don't if you've made it to this point and you're married and everything else you've kind of done well you haven't figured out women but you've done well enough to know that women don't completely despise and hate you. So you have that going for you. The problem with a teenage girl is they despise and hate everyone all the fucking time. And they are little evil versions of every girl you ever went to high school with. Like you were just sitting there going, oh, my God. I hated you when I was in high school. I hated everything about you. <laughs> I I don't understand why you, you're going from this. I'm super happy to I'm super depressed to I'm going to kill everybody in this house kind of modes. Like I get it's hormones, but like this is unfucking natural. Like no one goes through this swing in like a three second span and <laughs> can come out of it with someone going, you know what? I still love you. Because really, they want to drown you. They're <laughs> <laughs> fucking. I love. I love my daughter to death. Like it's. It's really funny. She'll always walk up to me. She goes, "You know, I'm your favorite." I'm like, "No, no, you don't. You don't know that for a fact." And she'll just turn on me and walk away and go, "You know it. You know it." And she'll walk downstairs. And there's moments like that where I'm going. You might be my favorite, but then I like, I'm hanging out with my son and we're doing like all this shit together. Like we'll, we go to all the movies together. We read comics and shit. We'll talk about shows. And I'm like, nope, that kid's my favorite. And then like, they'll both act in their way where they're so moody and depressed. And you're just like, I fucking hate both of you. Like you need to get out of my house. And then you look at them all their days and you're just like, you're never going to leave. You're going to live here forever. And no, it's it's the craziest fucking ride being a parent, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't change it for anything. Yeah, that sums it up really well, man. And I don't know, like as much as I said that, you know, I was dreading looking forward to them being teenagers. Like, I look forward to seeing, you know, what kind of young men they're going to grow into. Mm Hmm. Yeah, it it's. It's funny because I do a lot of, I do a lot of reminiscing, especially about like when I was their age. Cause that was one of my favorite times in my life where I was that carefree and I was that wide eyed and I kind of had the world at my feet. And I, they're different than me, but they're the same as me. So I kind of like, I look for the things that, I know I did wrong and I, 
look out for them. But then you just kind of like sit there and go, well, at the same time, I didn't have necessarily someone doing this for me. Like I was really much, I was really a latchkey kid. Like during my childhood, we didn't have parents hovering over us and worried about our every move. Like Christ, I remember being eight, nine, ten years old, being living in like kind of the outskirts of Detroit, which wasn't even safe back then. And having free reign of wherever the hell I went and my mom not really knowing at all where I was, you know, it was as long as I was home by a certain time or I called from a payphone and checked in at a certain time, like it was all good. Yeah. Yeah. That's the way it was for me too. I mean, you know, I was growing up in a small town, so it was, you know, quite a different experience from living, you know, on the edge of big city. Mm -hmm. But I mean, me and my friends, we'd be deep out into the woods. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, like, we're way out in the woods. We're way out, like, on the, the nature trail. And, you know, I mean, any we're out there, like, finding bridges that we can jump off of <laughs> mm -hmm. into creeks and stuff like that. And, you know, when I look at it through the eyes of an adult, it's like, oh, oh, my gosh. But, <laughs> you know, I mean... <laughs> It was the best time. And, and, you know, we were really aware of the fact that, that we were a long ways from help if we fucked ourselves up doing that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I mean, obviously, we made we must have made some okay decisions because, you know, I'm sitting here to talk with you. But, right. But, man, there are some of the things I think of that were questionable choices. Like, I remember one, and, and I can't even say I was a little kid when this happened because I was... Okay, when... Was that a Tyson-Holyfield fight where Tyson bit the dude's ear off? Yep. Okay. So the night that that happened, so whenever that was, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I, I don't remember. So I, I remember I the I event happening. 20s. That's about it. Yeah, I know I was in my 20s, so that had to have happened, like, at least in the 2000s. But anyway, I remember my friends saying, hey, we found this place where we can go cliff jumping. Like, okay, what do you mean? Like, well, it's an old abandoned rock quarry that's filled up with water and it's got these high cliffs around it. And I'm like, hmm, okay, everything I've heard about those is that that's an easy way to get a cramp because you can swim through a really, really cold section of water and it'll just lock your body up. Like, okay, yeah, let's go do it anyway. There's a whole bunch of us. We can keep an eye on each other. And so we go out there and we spend this whole day jumping off like this 20-foot cliff and... To get back up to the top, somebody had tied a garden hose to a tree on top and then tied knots in this garden hose going down. And then there was like a little dihedral. And so like uh, on a on a rock face, a dihedral would be imagine like like taking like a hardback book and setting it on the table in front of you and then like opening it up so it will just yep. stand. And so then you could, you know, it'd be like an open book. That's a dihedral. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so this garden, this garden hose is just thrown down this dihedral, and so you just plant a, wall, a foot on either side of the wall, and then just hand over hand and go up this, and then just walk your feet up this kind of, you know, wide open crack, more or less, to get to the top. And, you know, we did it all day. We came back that night after the fight, and was jumping in the dark, so we just had a car parked on the rim with its headlights kind of shining over and so you just take off running and just jump and then just disappear into inky blackness 
and then mm-hmm. just start counting, you know, one Mississippi, two Mississippi, three Mississippi splash, you know, like <laughs> big, big jump just down into the darkness. And then you kind of laugh and go swimming over and climb up the garden hose in the night, in the dark. And, uh, I remember I was out there with some real crazy kids that, um, uh, Man, one of them, man, he was just fucking fearless. But he had like a, a pro license in motocross when he was like a teenager. Oh, so, nice. I mean, like the kid was just fucking fearless. I remember one of his awesome moves was um, one of his friends had like a little S10 truck and they were driving around the wintertime. And uh, this dude, his name was Kurt. He like took his shoes off. So he was just in his socks and he was holding on to the tailgate of the truck and like skiing down the snowy road with Up socks. there. Yeah, like just fucking crazy shit like that. But anyway, yeah, so this dude's like going and running and doing like, you know, like he'd jump off the edge of the cliff and then kick his feet out and do a backflip on the way down into the water. Jesus. And so, yeah, yeah. And so like he's like upping the ante on all these different ones. And so this one kid does like what he what he called a suicide dive where you dive down head first into the water, but you don't have your hands up. So your hands are at your side. So like basically yep. the top of your head's the first thing to hit. And so I'm like, oh, OK, that looks doable. And so I do that, and like I go down, I splash, boom. Number one, water, when it hits the top of your head like that from like a 20, 25-foot cliff, hurts like a motherfucker. Fuck yeah, it does. <laughs> but like I go down, I splash, go under the water, and then kind of make that curve to go up to come swimming back up to the surface. And as I make that curve, my toes brush the bottom. Oh, shit. Yeah, and so I come up, and I've like, I'm like, I touched the bottom. I touched the bottom and they're all like, yeah, yeah. It's only like 15 feet deep. Oh, and I went, and you fuckers are doing suicide dives. You let me do it. Like every fucking year, that guy from tips from head injuries comes rolling into the gymnasium and tells us not to do this. Why the fuck are we out here doing this? (laughs) Yep. Ah, the stupid shit, man. And then I think about my boys doing some of the, no, and that's, yeah. like, that's, that's one of one million stories of stupid shit that I did that like I, sh- I survived <laughs> when maybe oh. I shouldn't have when I was a kid. I know oh. I should be dead. Like there's, there's no <laughs> doubt. I, I honestly, there, there's moments where I've escaped some shit where I'm like, I think I might've actually died. And this is just kind of like my, the last of my brain waves going. This is how the rest of your life would have ended up playing out. And you are really laying in a ditch in the middle of fucking nowhere and you're dead and enjoy the rest of what you would see as your life. And it's not really ever going to happen because that to me is fascinating because I one of the first really bad accident I was in, I I rolled my car on my way home from work one night and it was just this really weird circumstance where I wasn't paying attention. And then when I was paying attention, I got kind of all squirrely and I somehow flipped my car. It was amazing, but I got, you know, the car flips on the road and I crawl out once it's done. And I'm just like, Holy shit. I can't believe that just happened. And the next, I think it was like a couple days later, my mom was away when this all happened and she got back and I told her what happened and she took me down to where the accident was. And I had landed next to a cemetery, this really tiny, like almost family owned cemetery with a freshly dug plot 
where I was just like, oh my God, maybe I died. Maybe I'm in that plot. Maybe, maybe I really didn't survive this because that is way too creepy. And, you know, not just the fact that it was creepy, but there are certain situations that I know were life threatening. And the fact that I am still walking is absolutely a shock to me. There's almost, I almost feel like I know that I've died. And this really just might be my last glimpse of what my life would have been. And that to me is kind of interesting. Like I always feel, I like the feeling of being small and insignificant in a way. I loved being live, living by the ocean because the ocean made me feel small, that there was something that was such a force of nature that could take us out at any moment and really just like make it so that shows you who the real power is. And I, I really like that feeling. So like the fact that, that I think I might've died and that this is all my last glimpse is kind of reassuring because I'm like, yeah, you know what? I've made, okay decisions other than you know some of the ones that i not overly fond of like wrecking my car and like being i I remember losing my daughter in disney world for like two seconds and that was the worst moments of my life but it's those experiences that i feel that are, are like rewarding and if i did die then at least I'm living a rewarding part. You know, I'm seeing how rewarding it would be, even though I know I'm alive because I have to work every motherfucking day. It seems like, <laughs> yeah, shit never ends. Does it? Oh, <laughs> brutal. <laughs> well, shit, man. Um, well, Hey, you know, it's getting pretty late. And, um, yes, it is. <laughs> yeah, I've had an awesome time talking with you, though, man. Oh, I fucking love it, dude. Any any time you want to just fucking, if you don't have anyone to talk to, fucking feel free. I can, <laughs> I can bullshit for hours. I have nothing but stories and craziness that oh, has gone on in my life. Excellent. Yeah, dude, we'll definitely have to do another one of these. That would be, that'd be awesome. <laughs> yes, definitely. It's cool to, it was, you know, I don't know if I've ever had that long of a conversation just like talking about like parenthood type stuff before. So that was really fun too. Yeah, I don't, I don't it's weird because I don't talk a lot with people who are parents because I technically, well, not technically, but I generally don't like most of my kids' friends' parents. Like, I'm kind of antisocial when it comes to being like, face to face with someone if I don't know them or I don't have any kind of same interest that I know of right off, then I get real shy and introverted. So like if I have someone I can, I can talk too. to, yeah, it's, it's fucking weird because I know I talk a lot and I know that I can have like good conversations, but like I can get really shy, especially if I don't know someone or I'm not comfortable with talking about something with someone. So I get like, I'll get all mousy and people are like, 
you're a completely different person when you open up. I'm like, oh, because I didn't fucking know you, and I don't had, <laughs> I didn't have anything in common with you. So, yeah. But um, it, it's like I don't end up talking to a lot of parents and are talking about my kids because I don't like other than my wife. There's not really a whole lot. Like even my in-laws who have kids aren't. They don't. We don't have the same parenting styles, or we don't eat like we know enough about each other where we don't talk about our kids when we're together. So it's kind of fun and interesting to talk to someone and get like a different parent's point of view, especially when you're just like, I'll sell my fucking kids to a black market if it makes me a millionaire. You know? <laughs> oh, awesome, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, we'll, we'll definitely be getting together again on this, dude. <laughs> definitely. So, again, thank you very much, David. This has been awesome. It has. Thank you for having me. That was a really fun conversation. Um, man, I, the best thing about doing a podcast like this is just getting to talk to all these different people. And, I mean, let alone talk to somebody for like three hours. That's just, ah, it's so awesome. Really, really happy that I got to have David on. That was just great. You know, if you like what you heard today on the Startcast, uh, hop on iTunes and leave my show a review. You know, um, and you know, even if you didn't like it, if you didn't like it, hop on and give me a review. <laughs> but what the hell's wrong with you? That was some good conversation. <laughs> um, if uh, if you want to find out more about stuff that we talk about on Startcast, um, pretty much the only thing I use is Facebook. Um, there's just there's a lot of different social media out there, and I don't have time to do all of them, and. I use Facebook already, so fuck it. That's what we're doing. But I got a Facebook page on there. <laughs> That's a good way to sell it. Fuck it. Go look at my Facebook page. Starkcast, all one word. S-T-A-R-K-C-A-S-T. Articles and pictures. And, you know, we talk about a lot of different stuff on the show. And so the Facebook page has got a wide variety of stuff to look at on it. And, uh, you know, give it a like, uh, follow it, whatever. <laughs> it's an easy way to get a hold of me through there too there's a message button on it um fuck there might even be an email link i don't know and speaking of emails look at that segue <laughs> uh startcastpod at gmail.com that's right some other fucker that doesn't even do a podcast anymore took startcast so i got startcastpod and it's through gmail because that's with google and they're going to rule the world someday anyway, right? So why not use their email? Which I don't fucking use because nobody's emailed me. <laughs> you could be the first. Wouldn't you like to be the first person that gets an email read on the Startcast? <laughs> or not. Fuck it. I don't care. <laughs> Just a font of positivity today. Anyway, yeah. Facebook page. Startcast. Email. Startcastpod at gmail.com. Uh, big thanks again to David and uh, check out him. Check him out on uh, on Tales from the Yard. 
That is a podcast that is done by the Leftover Army, so you can look them up on iTunes and um, look for Leftover Army Podcast. And then they do a bunch of different shows on there. And uh, David is on. Um, I'm pretty sure I've heard him on more than just Tales from the Yard. But he's, uh, he does Tales from the Yard. That's with uh, Old Man Shooty, uh, Shooty's uh, son, Austin. That's a great show. They go and they have this rant section. <laughs> it's just beautiful. And um, it's fantastic. Good show. I highly recommend it. <laughs> Once again, thank you for listening. This has been Startcast.